Coming up next, The Crunch with Cam Slater. Conversations with a side of controversy. Every Thursday from 4pm, right here on RCR. Reality Check Radio. People are struggling to have conversations and connect with others that they don't completely agree with on every topic. And I think that's probably the biggest problem that we need to try and solve is how after all this division and after all this separation, do we end up bringing people together again? And what does unity really look like? New Zealand faces some pretty big issues. First one is COVID in the aftermath. There's no getting away from that. Second is racial division. It's been ginned up and it's dangerous. Another issue that maybe people haven't got their head around yet is digital currency. What form does that take? Is it programmable? Will it be used to manipulate behavior and patterns of behavior? Those questions need to be asked and answered. How can you have fair, open, democratic government by people who are appointed? It's a ridiculous idea. And if that idea is taken to its zenith, then this country is in real trouble because democracy, one person, one vote, where every vote is of equal value, has got to be the foundation of a modern New Zealand. What's true, what's not true, how our kids are to be educated. And, you know, I have a great fear for the future. I think we know from history where this could end up. This is The Crunch with Cam Slater. Conversations with a side of controversy, right here on RCR. Welcome to The Crunch on Reality Check Radio. I'm your host, Cam Slater, and this is the place we crunch the political issues and cut through all the politicians' spin. Got something different for you this week. First up is Gary Moller, who's back on the show to discuss my hair test results, what that means for me, and what the next steps are. Now, it's a bit of a journey, and it can be confronting at times, but I think it's important to share my health story so that you can all learn, so you can look after your own health. No one's going to look after you better than you. And of course, we'll have the mailbag to get your feedback, and then we'll close out the show with the favourite of all you listeners, Cam's buddies, and we'll see what they have to think about the exit from Parliament of Grant Robertson. Don't forget to send comments to inbox at realitycheck.radio or text to 2057. You're listening to The Crunch with Cam Slater, right here on RCR. Reality Check Radio. Right, it's time to dive into the concerning situation involving the New Zealand Defence Force and the handling of COVID-19 vaccine mandates. It's a story that's not only raised eyebrows, but has also faced scrutiny in the courts. And the New Zealand Defence Force has lost, first in the High Court, and again, when they appealed that judgment in the Court of Appeal. Now, imagine serving in the military and dedicating your life to a cause only to find yourself dismissed because of your decision about a COVID-19 vaccine. 
And this is the reality for some members of the New Zealand Defence Force, and it's caused quite a stir. In a recent article at Newsroom, we learn about Bonnie, a 28-year-old medic at Burnham Army Camp, who was given her marching orders this month, one of 25 regular and special forces believed to have been discharged in the past 18 months for refusing the COVID vaccine. The court has already ruled against the Defence Force's mandatory retention reviews, calling them inconsistent with the Bill of Rights and unlawful. The Defence Force has been grappling with attrition problems, losing more than a third of its uniformed personnel in the past three years. And to address this, they've been offering sweeteners of up to $30,000 for some soldiers to stay. And yet at the same time, they've been quietly discharging personnel for not getting the COVID vaccine. It's nuts. But then again, this is the defence forces we're talking about. I mean, they don't have sayings like hurry up and wait for nothing. Lawyer Matthew Haig, who represented the personnel in the recent court case, expressed his disbelief at the situation, especially considering the critical shortage of personnel across the Navy, Air Force and Army. He questions why, in 2024, the Defence Force is still subjecting its members to outdated mandates. Why indeed? And it's not just the court that's critical of the Defence Force's actions. Bonnie, who comes from a long line of military service, expresses her dismay at losing her career. She argues that personal health decisions should be protected by the New Zealand Bill of Rights Act and the laws that the ANZACs fought and died for. And I have to agree with you. Yet here's the army ignoring the laws they are sworn to defend. Now, Bonnie's story is not unique. Others have read the writing on the wall and quit, while some continue to serve under the constant threat of discharge, despite the court's repeated criticism of the Defence Force's inflexibility on vaccination. Last week, the Court of Appeal ruled in favour of the uniformed personnel penalised for not being vaccinated, calling the Defence Force's measures inconsistent with the Bill of Rights and unlawful. Lawyer Matthew Haig again points out the extraordinary nature of trained military personnel being discharged on such outdated grounds. Now the Defence Force is under orders to reconsider its vaccination order and pause any future action taken under it. However, for individuals like Bonnie, it's too late. And as we reflect on this situation, it raises questions about the balance between individual rights and the collective responsibility of the military. How can the Defence Force ensure readiness without compromising the rights of its personnel? It's a complex issue and it requires careful consideration, but it seems the Defence Force is not considering anything much less carefully especially in light of the court's recent rulings. The military seems intransigent, unwilling to admit they were wrong, and continuing to victimise service people for their right to choose not to have medical treatments that have been proven to be neither safe nor effective. Finally, it rather begs the question of the legitimacy, or otherwise, of the former government. Their lockdowns were unlawful, the police vax mandates were unlawful, the defence force mandates were unlawful. A government that breaks its own laws is not a government at all. It is as unlawful as the laws they ignored. Luckily, we had an election last year and gave that unlawful lot the boot.
Gary Moller is back with my hair test results. We're going to take a deep dive into what these results mean, how we can correct any issues, and what the next steps are. As I said before, I'm sharing this health journey with you all so you can see what a positive impact looking after your own health can be and the interest that you have in your own lives. Gary's itching to go and he joins me now. Welcome back to The Crunch, Gary. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. Last time we spoke, we were going to go and get a, a hair test uh, to, to find out all the elements that are coming out of my body or not coming out of my body. And um, I thought it would be a, a, an opportune time to update the listeners on what that showed and what that means for me and uh, tell you about some stuff that you recommended uh, during the Christmas New Year break and the results of that. So uh, it's a good pleasure to have you back on The Crunch. Well, it's a real pleasure, Cam. I'd like to start by just um, uh, asking you a question, getting sure. your permission. The first thing is, is that, um, Cam, we are going to be talking about medical-related matters. Yep. And it's we may delve into some uh, personal things. Yep. And you need to be comfortable with sharing this with uh, the public, with your listeners. Yep. Um, so I want your permission to. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, my, I've been pretty public about my yes. journey of the recovery from my stroke, uh, and open about the, some of the medications and side effects and things like that. And I think it's uh, sure. important for listeners to understand the full picture, uh, so that they can, you know, wonder about their own situation and and start to question, you know, whether or not they're on correct medications or there's something that they can do that seems to be really simple to actually fix and correct a few things. So, yeah, I've got no problems at all sharing that information. I think that yes. uh, it's educational for the listeners and uh, and I've, I've got no secrets. Of course, uh, that's wonderful. And I just wanted to make sure that that's absolutely clear. And uh, the other thing, Cam, which uh, listeners need to be aware is that we're talking about Cameron Slater. Mm -hmm. And when we're talking about perhaps... Um, the merits or whatever of changing medication, of perhaps introducing other therapies. Mm -hmm. uh, for the listeners, I'm not expecting them to go and do the same for themselves. No, each each person has to do their own research, uh, you know, look up their own medications, and consult a professional, uh, you know, health practitioner to ensure that they're actually not endangering themselves. That's um, right. So, you know, I'm uh, whatever recommendations that you come up with here, Gary, I'll be sharing that with my GP. I've trained her nicely. She knows that I go and do these sorts of things, and we always work in conjunction with that. And I'm putting in place things to monitor as well. You know, I've got a uh, one of those uh, wrist blood pressure testing devices. I'm che checking my blood pressure to see that there's any changes and any changes that we make. I'm making sure I'm on top of that sort of thing. That's what people should do. They need to take an interest in their own health because nobody else is going to do that. And if they don't do that, then they'll end up in an emergency situation and you don't, you, you can't guarantee what the outcomes are going to be when it's an emergency situation. Well, where shall we start? I think it's uh, great we've clarified things. Uh, this test that uh, we are discussing was done in uh, December. Yep. And uh, you've had a number of... Um, and a number of weeks where you have uh, 
steadily and faithfully plugged away. Um, an absolutely model patient, I must add. <laughs> uh, I'm delighted to hear that. Um, perhaps we should start with blood pressures. And how are you feeling? Are you feeling okay? Well, are just, you feeling well? Yeah, I'm feeling fantastic. Um, just for the listener's benefit, the Gary recommended that I start making up his famous citrus peel drink. Um, we'll explain why why you suggested that, and that came out of the results, the test results that we had, and there were some things that maybe we needed to cleanse or clean up. Um, but I'll tell you what, uh, you know, over the uh, New Year period, and especially in January, I've met up with a few people in person. They're saying, gee, Cam, what have you done? Like, your skin is looking really good. Your eyes are really bright. You look like you're full of energy and all of this sort of thing. And uh, so the only thing that I've done over that Christmas New Year period is uh, drink copious quantities of your citrus peel drink. And, uh, you know, when you told me to, to to make this up and I looked at the recipe and looked at the things that are required, I sat there and thought, oh, good grief, you know, I'm, I'm a manly man. I'm, I'm not the kind of person who would suck on lemons or mm. um, drink dandelion and milk thistle tea or, or lemon and ginger. I'm just not a green tea drink, none of that, right? But mm. the drink was actually very pleasant. It's not bitter at all, even though it's got a, a whole lemon in it. And, uh, and eating the, uh, the lemon peel, which you suggested that I do as I drink through it and have a couple of slices a day of the lemon peel, was not unpleasant. It wasn't bitter. It was nice. Um, and so, you know, I kind of do it all the time, especially on the hot days at the moment uh, here in Auckland, you know, approaching 30 degrees. That drink and a, and a slice of the lemon chilled in the fridge uh, is just, just delightful and really tasty. And uh, it's something that you know, I've changed into my diet, and, and and I think it's made huge improvements. Well, here in at Wellington, approaching 20 degrees, I must say I enjoy having one of those lemon drinks as well. Mm. Um, now, I, do, I went the next step, and I and I bought the Sujon black currant powder. Yes. Um, you know, but, and it, you know what? It, it's actually doesn't really taste. You, you think it might taste like Ribena. It doesn't. Um, the lemon taste um, comes through more than the than the black currant taste, but but I added the the Sujon black currant into into my you know, you know I get bottled water, it's cheap as chips. You, know, you can buy six bottles for about three bucks from the supermarket, or th- or three dollars fifty if it's on you know something like that on special, and I just you know pour uh, a liter and a half into a jug and put all the ingredients and mix all that up and everything and, and leave it in the fridge overnight before I start drinking it. So, you know, it's working. Okay. I well, think it's working. <laughs> I well, I well, Cam, I haven't seen you for a couple of months now. And mm. maybe it's the filter on the camera, but yeah, uh, no you, filters here. You do look you do look uh and you look in definitely better health, I think perhaps a bit of the darkness under the eyes. I can't really see any. I think you're looking pretty pretty good for a 55-year-old. Yep. Um, the medication you're on, Yep. Uh, can we just go over that? Um, sure. You are taking, um, essentially, it's focusing on uh, cardiovascular, preventing yeah, stroke it, and heart attack. Yeah, um, these so, were the things that they prescribed yep. after I had my stroke to get my blood pressure yes. under control and those sorts of things. Yeah, yes. and of course I'm also doing five kilometer walks every day as well. So, um, yes, which you know, is I'm, wonderful. 
Yeah. Um, as a, you're a model patient, and I love your enthusiasm. <laughs> now, well, I just want my health to be good because if you don't have your health, um, well, you've got nothing. I think um, you've heard this me say this before, but let food be thy medicine, mm. and body heal thyself. Yeah. And uh, the medication you're on may be beneficial in managing. Yes. Whatever the condition is, but it is not going to cure anything. You are going to cure yourself, uh, which is what you have been um, in the process of doing, which is wonderful. And ultimately, if you do the job right, you will be bringing the um, health and vitality in underneath the medication. And ultimately, the need for the medication will decrease to the point where you, with um, the cooperation of your doctor, though ultimately you are the decision maker on this, you will be able to remove each medication one by one to the point where you are completely medication free and you just get on with life. Now, I'll make one point as well. You're in your mid-50s. Yep. Congratulations. Now, you are genetically programmed. This is your genes. Your genes are there to serve you faithfully until around about 110 years of age. Yeah, so I'm halfway okay. there. Yeah, you're halfway there. Now, the question I want you to, the, the mental exercise is, what do you think about taking all of these drugs for the next half of your life? Yeah, I'm mean, not very, is I'm it not, I'm not, really yeah, I'm not really, not really keen on that because, no. you know, you well, get side effects with these drugs and I'm not sure for another, even if, let's just say another 20 years, right? Let's say I get, another 20 years. I don't want to be taking um, yep. this cocktail of drugs for another 20 years. I want to actually get those down to almost nothing. Okay. Now, so all of the drugs you're on, and there's um, atavastatin, uh, metarazirapine, uh, clopidarol, losartan, and uh, chlorodine. Or, uh, don't worry about the pronunciation. I just get completely tongue-tied with all of them. But basically... You're, you're on those medications, and each one of them comes with a long list of side effects. If it is a relatively recent drug, it will have a shorter list of side effects. Possibly. Okay. Yeah, usually a lot shorter because it takes 10 to 20 years of the drug being out on the market for us to truly know mm. all of the side effects from them because we're talking about human years as opposed to say, rat years from those original yep. um, lab studies. So um, it, it often is the case that an older drug will have a longer list than the new one. But don't be fooled. The new one, once you give it enough time, may have just as long a list. Yep. Now, if each drug has got, say, 20 different side effects, some serious, some minor, hey, I don't think any of them are minor, by the way, but let's call them minor, if you then combine four or five drugs together, which have never had to be tested together before going on the market, they're only tested on their own, and you combine them all together, you would need a supercomputer to figure out all of the possible interactions, most of which are probably unknown. Yeah, now, there's, there's obvious ones, you know, like like the... Um, yeah, yes. I can't say it either. Um, <laughs> the the uh, chlorotelidone, for example, when they yeah. originally prescribed that for me, 
I ended up with swollen um, legs, calf muscles, uh, feet, you know, like twice the size of my of my normal feet. I said mm. to the doctor, what's going on here? Oh, I don't know. So mm. I went and did some research, found out that edema is one of the major side effects of the chlortalidone, and then we um, we reduced the dosage. The other side effect of that drug too was it made my gums grow up over my teeth, mm. you know, and uh, that's very uncomfortable, very painful. And when you're on blood thinners as well, brushing your teeth becomes a, a bloodbath, you know, um, mm. normally. So I'm the one who did the research on that. We talked to my doctor and said, well, what are we going to do? We reduced it. Now that's gone back to normal. But if it's got that side effect, I don't want it in me. Right, I, I want to be in, get myself to a point where I can remove those drugs because of the obvious side effects, and then there's, as you say, the not obvious side effects that you may not be aware of until there's a catastrophe. Yeah, and and then there's all of the incomprehensible interactions where you layer one drug on top of another. Yeah, absolutely. And we we can never truly understand. Uh, the impact of that. It's it's a very difficult thing. Um, Kim, I can tell you that the best predictor for a, a long, healthy, productive life, particularly as we get older, is the absence of the need for medication. Yeah. Okay? So if you if you if you go and look at all the longevity studies, yeah, uh, you can see there are certain common factors like um, their diet, their exercise, getting yeah. out into fresh air, um, a sense of um, belonging, uh, mm -hmm. being part of a community, having a purpose that is above oneself, okay? Yeah. Uh, rather than being narcissistic, being outward looking, yeah. uh, involved in their community and so on and so on, okay? So there are all of those, but one of the uh, factors that is often overlooked almost ignored is that none of these people are on long-term medication mm. okay? because they well for a start they don't need it yeah. but they're usually living in parts of the world where they won't have access to it anyway mm. okay so that's um uh, a really i i've always found that really fascinating and what highlighted that to me was um uh, health professionals who work in aged care end of life they know that if you take the patient off their medication, they live longer. Mm. Okay, so that often says something. If you want to end somebody's life a little bit sooner, you bump the meds up. Okay, you don't take them off it. So yeah. I want you to just sort of um, think about that for a while. So for the next 55 years yeah. of Kim Slater's life, I think we should get him to a point where... He's so healthy that there's no need for any drugs. Okay? Sounds, now, sounds good to me. Now, I'm being very careful about how I'm saying this. I'm yep. saying that we are going to remove the need, okay? Mm. It doesn't mean that you just throw the drugs away, Yeah. okay? Um, but actually, you know, I, I always said to the doctors, you know, why do I need this drug? Yep. Oh, well, if you don't take that, you'll die or, or whatever. They give you a reason. So, no, but what's the... What's the symptom? What what we're only treating symptoms here. What's the underlying cause of this? And it's like my little enigma with potassium. You yep. know, I've seen endocrinologists, various different specialists. They all, you know, uh, uh, have declared it um, to be NFI, which means they've got no effing idea what it is. 
that's causing it. Well, well, that's not helpful. They just say keep taking supplements. Mm. Well, most people don't need to take supplements for um, potassium, so why do I? And, and that's the question that I have, and it's the, the riddle, the enigma that has defeated me thus far, which is why I thought the hair test would be um, give us yes. a good indicator. Well, there is. Um, so we've got Cam's hair tissue analysis on screen. Yep. I'm going to describe it a little bit. Sure. Now, first of all, we have what is called a reference range. In other words, a person in perfect health, and homeopaths understand this, yep. is that if you've got perfect homeostasis within a cell, there cannot be the existence of disease, dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Yep. And when we and when we look at hair tissue analyses of healthy people, people who are disease free, their hair tissue test is more or less all of the nutrients um, like calcium, magnesium, sodium, potassium, uh, and so on, uh, within what is called an ideal or reference range. There's a balance, and, isn't there, that we've got to got to look yeah, towards. And then some of these things come in pairs, don't they? They work together. Well, Everything in the universe operates on yin-yang, black-white, hot-cold, positive-negative, male-female, conservative, liberal. If there's darkness, there must be light. If Mm. there's heat, there must be cold. And if you have too much of one and too little of another, you end up with imbalance and dysfunction. And let's think of like politics. If you have a political party that has uh, 60% of the vote, you run the risk of a dictatorship. Yes. Whereas the perfect democracy is where they have 51% of the vote. Yes. And if you think also in, say, a relationship between two people, you don't want a very strong person and a very weak person. Otherwise, you end up with an abusive relationship. Now, we have the same right down to the atomic level. In fact, down to light, matter. If there is matter, there must be antimatter, even if we haven't found it. Mm -hmm. This is the rule of the universe. And by the way, if you want to destroy and confuse, what you do is, for example, you destroy the distinction between a man and a woman, for example, and this and that. But it's um, you can actually apply science to what is going on in society. It's very, very fascinating. Now, anyway, but we won't digress. So if we're looking at CAMS and we are looking at CAMS hair tissue test, we can see he's only got a couple of nutrients that are within the reference range or within the ideal. Mm. And there are a number of ones which are outside of the ideal and are in fact too low or too high. Now, there's some fascinating things here. The pattern that I'm looking at, Cam, is in fact the pattern of somebody who is probably not eating much in the way of red meat. Okay. So that would be the first thing that, and, but we're looking at, this is historic. You may be eating red meat right now, but uh, during the last year or so, it looks to me like you have been on a, um, a, a low red meat, probably low cholesterol diet. Okay. Right. Yep. Now, and that's because your iron is incredibly low, as is copper, manganese, zinc, chromium, and selenium. 
Yeah. And when we look at those foods, uh, look at those nutrients, and we look at the main, most bioavailable food sources, that is things like red meat and also um, other sources, um, organ meat, and yep. things like green-lipped mussels, clams, oysters, quina, yep. you know, those okay. sorts yep. of things. Yep. Yeah. Quite fascinating to see that. Um, so that's the first observation. So I should, so I I should eat more black pudding then? And have liver once a week. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, lamb's ribe once a week would be absolutely amazing, wonderful. And uh, have you been doing that, Cam? No, I haven't, but uh, I do like black pudding. So, you know, perhaps I can get some black pudding and have that for breakfast or something. Um, well, I had black pudding uh, served up for dinner last night. Oh, I love it. And uh, I had um, some of the leftover earlier today. Okay. There's and, never uh, any leftover of black pudding for me. Yeah, well, yeah. maybe your reptilian subconscious brain <laughs> is saying, I need it. Yeah. Okay, yep. and that's because you're so incredibly low. Yeah. Um, just to give readers that, Cam's iron is zero point six, when it should be around about three point five. Yep. It doesn't go much lower. I don't. It's just about as low as it can go. Yeah. Maybe it's all those bleeding gums. Okay. Could be. <laughs> Combined with a diet of. Um, you know, um, uh, vegetable forms of iron are far less bioavailable mm. than red meat, venison, black pudding, um, liver. Basically, the redder, the better. Um, yep. That would be a general rule of thumb for Cam Slater. Lots of red meat. And that will also provide copper. Uh, by the way, copper is found in green lip mussels. Yep. That's um, the uh, copper oxide is green. And mollusks, um, mussels, use copper instead of iron for oxygen transport and storage. So yeah, that's yeah. why they are a great source of uh, copper, okay? Think of yep. uh, think of power. Power is so green, it almost looks black. Mm. And that's the copper oxide in it. Or yeah, the... I love power. Power is delicious. Yeah, and again, your subconscious is pro probably saying, Cam, I need more copper. Mm. Now, um, if we go to another, so I'm going to go to another website. These are all available on my website, garymoller.com. And you can find like the citrus recipe on yep. garymoller.com. And I've just updated that this morning um, to be um, a little more user-friendly. Now, if we look at, for example, copper. Mm-hmm. And copper, in Kim's case, is very, very low. Now, we look at the functions of copper, and it says structure of blood vessels, aorta, and heart muscle. It is also necessary for hemoglobin, okay, mm. oxygen transport and storage. It is also necessary for the maintenance of the myelin sheath. If there is a copper deficiency or a copper excess, by the way, then the myelin sheath will be weak, which means that uh, a person with weak myelin may be very prone to conditions like concussion, mm -hmm. okay, and fail to recover from a brain injury. Mm -hmm. Now, the structure of blood vessels. Now, just think about this. 
if you want to stop blood vessels from bursting and breaking, yep. you need copper, but you also need zinc with it. Yep. So when we look at um, uh, your hair tissue test, we go to zinc. Your zinc is 12 when it should be 20 to 24. Yeah. Now, when we go and look at the roles and functions of zinc, which I'm going to do now, mm. um, Cam and I have the benefit in that we're looking at this on a screen, but so I'm going to keep describing this for the yeah. listeners. Now, first of all, you will see, again, the foods that are high. And these are foods, when people are going heart healthy, following the now out-of-date heart healthy guidelines, yep. <laughs> you're cutting out the very foods so oysters, herrings, beef, lamb, uh, pork, liver, uh, okay, those are the main ones that are uh, great sources of zinc. Of course, zinc is found in nuts and seeds and so on, but yep. it's not so bioavailable. The benefit of an animal is that they will eat vast volumes of these things and concentrate these nutrients for you, a human being. Now, what you will see is, look at this. It is important for the maintenance of artery walls, all of your blood vessels and that, but also your intestinal walls, along with copper, okay? So a lot of these things are really important for yep. um, the functioning of the brain and so on and so on. And it is also essential for the production of the male hormones, um, which gives a person strength and fortitude. The willingness to go to their death without a quiver of fear. If somebody is lacking zinc, then there is a possibility, a likelihood that they can't produce the hormones and neurotransmitters to um, prevent conditions like anxiety and depression. Really important. Mm -hmm. Now, when we look at um, your hair tissue test, we can see you're lacking um, zinc and you're lacking copper. Straight away, two things which says your um, connective tissue is going to be weak. Now, for the last few months, you've been taking some supplementation, which is providing some of these nutrients. Yep. But we're going to step it up now because we haven't really had a proper discussion on this, Cam. No. Okay, but um, guess what? What's good for your arteries is good for your hair, skin and nails. And so if somebody is healthy, if they've got nice strong arteries, if they've got a good, a healthy digestive tract, well, why don't we look at their hair, skin and nails? If mm. somebody looks healthy, then they're probably healthy on the inside. And in fact, if somebody is not healthy on the inside, there's no way they can look healthy on the outside. So when I'm looking at you, Cam looks healthier. His skin looks better. So maybe he's healthier on the inside as well. And Going by your reports, to me, it sounds like you are making progress. Oh, now, sorry, can we side go back just one thing? Your blood pressures. What's yep. been going on with your blood pressures? You have been um, obsessively monitoring them, and yep. could you share that with the uh, listeners? Yeah, so, you know, I you have a, a regime, a schedule, um, for people to monitor their blood pressure, and you can go and pick up a, a little wrist um, blood pressure uh, monitor. Uh, Omron, I think, is the, is the brand that I've got. It's a little one that clips onto your wrist. It takes 
you know, 30 seconds to do a blood pressure test. Uh, you recommend doing blood pressure as soon as you wake up, uh, then breakfast, then 10 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 7 o'clock, and then bed. So you're monitoring it throughout the day. Um, once you've got a few days uh, under your belt, then you can, you know, maybe every fifth day or whatever, just check it, see where you're going. But my blood pressure is uh, pretty stable now. Uh, definitely uh, not anywhere near what it was like when I had my stroke. Um, and you know, is sitting even even after I've done a five kilometer walk um, and then had breakfast, uh, my blood pressure uh, is often around one twenty, uh, one twenty two, something like that, over seventy. Mm. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy with where the blood pressure is at, and 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 that gives me an indication that maybe I need to now uh, present all this information to my GP and say, right, what are we going to do about these blood pressure medications? Because they're artificially holding things low and it's not reaching a normal balance uh, and a normal balance is what we're after. They, they may be. And I'll, I'll just point out that the wrist type blood pressure monitor, so long as uh, my recommendation is that you use an Omron. Mm -hmm. Now, an Omron is it's made by a company that supplies doctors and it is accurate. It's within a few points of your doctor's blood pressure monitor. Uh, wrist type 1 is convenient. You can carry it around with you and you can slip it onto your wrist um, at a moment's notice and do so discreetly and get real life readings. Uh, the thing about they're only about, they're only about $130 too, so they're not a lot of money. They're um, lifesavers. They yeah. save lives. It's $130, extremely well spent. Every family should have one. Yeah. Okay. Now, so you get these readings and you get a cluster of readings. There is the saying, uh, excuse me um, for plagiarizing a little, but it is one swallow does not make for a summer. Mm -hmm. One blood pressure reading at your doctor's surgery is not a diagnosis. No. You've got to have a whole flock of them before you can declare or make a conclusion. So that's why Cam has obsessively taken clusters of blood pressure so he can get a real-time record of how dynamic his blood pressure is. Now, a blood pressure of 120 over 80, plus or minus um, you know, 10 or so points up and down, which varies during the day on how stressed you are, whether you're exercising, whether you're sitting or standing and so on, but 120 over 80. Hey, if it's 120 over 80, uh, pop the corks, Cam. Okay, mm. that's fantastic. Wonderful. Now, here's the next thing. I have found in many cases, the body habituates to many of these blood pressure drugs. In other words, as the months turn into years, the blood pressure medication is not really doing much anyway. So... This is what um, uh, you need to do. Your blood pressure now, Cam, we've been able to demonstrate is consistently within extremely healthy, safe zones. Yeah, You haven't been getting any dangerous peaks and also dangerous lows. Look, blood pressure can be too low. That, yes. that, can, be, that can be terrible as well. Okay, so you are, you've got healthy blood pressure. So it really then begs the question, what would happen 
if Cam were to progressively titrate his blood pressure medications one at a time downwards. Now, if you while you're doing that, and you need to you need to go and talk to your doctor and put this as a proposal. Here's the plan, yeah. okay? What you do, you go to your doctor and you say um, politely, respectfully, um, I want to wean myself off all of my medications, but I want to do so responsibly and safely. I want to pick each drug in order of, in some kind of hierarchy, and I want to, over the, the next month, titrate that drug downwards. In other words, you might go from two pills to one pill per yeah. day, and then you get a razor and you chop that pill in half. Most of them are designed so you can break them in half. Yep. And you do that for another week. And while you're doing that, you must be monitoring, actively monitoring your blood pressure with that convenient and accurate wrist-type blood pressure monitor. Okay. Yep. And what you're wanting to do is to keep the blood pressure within uh, certain ranges that you've been able to be in over the last few months. In other words, 120 over 80, um, if it gets up to 140, 145 over, say, 95, then you'd start to be a bit concerned. Yeah. Okay. But if you're staying um, within that range, then, you know, it's all peachy creamy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you 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 get it down and you might even go to a quarter of a pill. You know, you can even go yep. down to a grain. And then when that's done, you then move on to the next drug. And then you titrate that downwards and you go through that exercise of monitoring and monitoring and you just keep going. Now, you also keep stepping up the nutrition, the lifestyle-based strategies, which you keep bringing in underneath the medication. Mm. So what you are doing is you are progressively removing the need for the drugs. Yeah. Okay. And, and the supplements. At, well, the supplements you you do, you you're actually bumping them up while you're doing this. Yes. Okay. Well, you're getting those nutrients through yep. your food um, yes. and in a more yep. bioavailable manner rather than just taking some yep. supplement so, pills so or something your, like that. Oh, look, supplements are supplements. They mm. are supplementary to a good diet. If somebody is not attending to their diet and saying, Gary, give me a whole lot of supplements, I'll say, well, I'm not really happy about that. I would prefer that so so you have the you have the the wonderful dietary changes uh which provide that um that concrete foundational base yeah and then the supplements are supplementary you put those on top because and and what the supplements do is that we know how big a dose is in each supplement so it means that if we if we really have to give cam extra copper first of all we want to make sure that he's got foods that have got copper in them, bioavailable copper. Uh, but during that loading period, we will bring in some extra bioavailable copper, and we know exactly how many milligrams he's, we're giving. Mm-hmm. But the more important thing is, is that about four to six months after we do all of this, we repeat the hair tissue test yep. so that we can see whether or not we're on track we want to make sure that we don't overshoot 
And we need to know whether or not we're undershooting. The other thing is, sometimes when you put things in, it brings other things out. Yeah. Mysteries are sometimes solved. Okay? Yeah. So um, th- this is quite fascinating. Um, now, can I just ask you, Cam? Yeah. Over the last year, prior to us having our first discussions on this, were you on a cholesterol-lowering diet? Were you restricting things like eggs, meat, um, those sorts of things? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that I was. Mm-hmm. I certainly, I usually have two to three eggs every morning, so that's that's a no on that. Um, I wasn't restricting <laughs> that. Yes. Uh, I have eaten a lot less red meat than I normally do because uh, the last year I haven't had uh, the time, uh, you know, for various different reasons to go hunting. I prefer my meat to be on the hoof naturally rather than I can't really buy meat from the supermarket because I just don't like it. Um, so, you know, I, I usually eat a lot of venison uh, and you know, I'd finished eating uh, the wild bull that took me two years to eat um, my way oh, through. Um, but, you know, I got over 500 kilos of meat out of that bull. So it was the most delicious meat I've ever had. But, yeah, I mean, I need to add more red meat into my diet and I need to be more mindful of that. And I've resorted to eating a lot of chicken because it's a lot cheaper but also it's easier to, to prepare and get ready. Um, you know, I'm cooking for myself. So going out and buying big steaks and stuff like that, it's, it hasn't hasn't been done. So, yeah, it's it's, it's not, not been a good diet, um, I'd imagine, but um, I've kept up things like eggs. And, you know, I hadn't actually had a lot of bacon either, um, but certainly not deliberately uh, on a cholesterol-lowering diet um, and, you know, from my recent blood tests that I had, my cholesterol's quite low anyway. So um, it's not can you something. Share, can you share what, um, just yeah, give us sure. the total just, cholesterol. Just, yeah, just I'll, I'll just one. bring it up in my little yeah. app from the doctor. So uh, my cholesterol was 3.0 yes, MMOL. Uh, while on a cholesterol-lowering drug. Yeah, yes. that's right. Yes. Uh, so that's the total. Do you want yep. the HDL and the LDL? No, don't worry. We don't want okay. to come there. We'll yeah. keep it simple at yeah. this point. So 3.0. Um, yeah. 3.0. Now, first of all, uh, for listeners, I would urge you to go to my website, garymoller.com, scroll down the article, several articles, to an article about the meat eaters angiogram and read it carefully and also spend an hour and a half listening to Professor Tim Noakes uh, dispelling the cholesterol myth. It's very important that listeners get their heads around this whole confusing thing about cholesterol, triglycerides, and so on, Um, the connection between uh, cardiovascular health and carbohydrate consumption and so on. We could do a whole session on this, but rather than us delving into that right now, I want people to listen to Professor Tim Noakes, who, by the way, I've been following for about 40 years. He is probably the most published exercise physiologist on the planet. He's the man. Go and listen to him. And that will help to um, allay people's fears that eating like cams, (laughs) venison and so on, that it's going to kill them. It isn't. It's actually a heart-healthy diet when you think about it. Now, here's the really interesting thing. 
I'm into my 51st year of studying or full-time work in health. Mm. Now, um, a, it started off that a total cholesterol of six, six and a half was um, sort of kind of acceptable. You know, if you're a bit above that, you know, the doc would say, well, you know, it's getting a bit high, Gary, you know. And then it got lowered down to like 5.5 and then it got lowered down to 5 and then it keeps going down. And it's now the the guidelines for cholesterol have been lowered so low, it's like nobody over the age of 50 can possibly achieve it without medication. So you've got all these old men and old women trying to do the limbo. Okay. Yeah. How low can you go? Um, and you know, and they're trying to go, they're going lower and lower and lower, and it's impossible. It can't be done without medication. But here's the other thing, and Professor Noakes will um help you to allay your fears on this. Guess what? People with high cholesterol live longer. Okay? <laughs> There's less dementia and so on. Your brain is 60% fat, cholesterol, and so on. If you put somebody on a cholesterol-free diet or give them drugs that block or interfere cholesterol, you are driving the Alzheimer's and dementia epidemic. Don't worry, Cam, you're not showing any signs of it yet. No. Okay? But there's a number of, um, you know, we're talking about side effects. Statins, except for where there is clearly a rare genetic disorder involving cholesterol, I don't think anybody should be on statins, especially if they want to be physically active. So is that the first thing that I should go and talk to my GP yes. about? And by the way, there is no side effect, uh, rebound effect from stopping taking a statin. So, so what okay. that means? What what does that mean? Does that mean you can stop taking it immediately, and you don't yes. need to uh, reduce yes. it slowly over time? And no, there's no no problem at all. Uh, it's a little bit different with the blood pressure medications, where you are better advised to do so progressively, yeah. carefully while monitoring. And in fact, if you want to bump up cholesterol, unhealthy triglycerides and so on, go on a high-carbohydrate diet. No, thanks. Well, I'm, I'm not – well, <laughs> I, I'm, I mean, I'm being, I, I've done that. You know, like, yeah. um, high-carbohydrate diet with bread and um, potatoes and yep. um, all of those sorts of things, um, it, just, it, it just makes me feel bloated. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, not in a good way. I, I Look, I, I even change the type of bread that I do. I, I mean, I only have two slices of bread a day. That's it. Two yes. slices. And, and it's an oat-based bread, not a wheat-based bread, although there is yep. wheat in it, but it's reduced. Yep. You're doing it. You're, do, you're a, as I said, you're a model patient. You're, congratulations. And you're for those who want to know what sort of bread I eat, it's the oat-alicious uh, uh, bread. And, you know, I'm, I used to look at, down my nose at brown bread and think it was, you know, pretty average until I tasted O Delicious. And I thought, wow, okay, I'm changing to this, you know. So Cam, if you were to ask me in 50 years, how many people have you come across who have an allergy or a physical intolerance to beef and lamb? No one. I can't think of a zero case. Zero. If you were to ask me, Eggs, 
fish, shellfish, dairy, then yes, there are, but relatively rare, but and increasing. Wheat. And wheat. Then if you uh, white meat, fish and, uh, sorry, um, uh, chicken and pork, rare cases. But then when you start moving into the plant realm, then you get the explosion of allergies and intolerances. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So if somebody has um, any issues with poor digestion, histamine reactions to things they eat and so on, one of the most beneficial first moves is to remove most, of, and, and in particular the nightshades, many of the leafy greens, you know, yep. your cows and your spinaches and so on, and grains, just about every grain, and also nuts and seeds and that. Um, uh, if you eliminate those or vastly reduce them, then guess what? People tend to do better. It's a paradox. We're, we're taught um, that, you know, it's so wonderful to eat all of these lovely things, make your kale smoothies and that sort of thing. Yeah. I don't really see that as in the in the real world, okay? No. And by the way, people will say, yes, but we have to have the rush of roughage. Well, I'll tell you what. You go and ask any parents of a newborn that's being breast or bottle fed um, whether or not um, you know, the lack of kale and other vegetables and fibre and that causes constipation. <laughs> well, ca kale's what cattle eat. Well, you know, we're And, and even they don't like it. We're omnivores. We're the most versatile eaters, but what really sustains us is foods like meat, eggs, um, milk, cheese, and so on. Concentrated nutrients and energy. Yeah. We do not have the digestive systems of a cow. Yeah. And we we can't ignore that. And no. also, we have got many thousands of years of adaptation to cooking, to fire. So we no longer produce certain enzymes because we rely on cooking. We've lost some of those enzymes. Yeah. So that's uh, really Quite an interesting thing. Now, I just want to go back to your hair tissue test. Mm. So, Cam, you were uh, also very low in a little understood mineral called manganese, mm -hmm. which is found in egg yolk and snails. Um, I don't recommend that you go and eat lots of snails. Um, we've well, got there's nothing wrong with snails. I like escargot, well, you know. They're, they're, well, they're tasty. Okay. Um, well... Uh, snails are not that um, available in New Zealand, but if you can find them, go for it. But, um, you know, snails, egg yolk, and then things like sunflower and yeah. avocados and olives and blueberries and so on. But um, the foods are relatively limited. And again, what we see when we're looking at the roles and functions of manganese, it's essential for the functioning of the brain. Yeah. It's essential for the integrity of connective tissue. Yeah. Now, when we're talking about arteries, veins, um, uh, and so on, um, sure, the main focus of manganese on th is for things like tendons, ligaments, cartilage, and so on, uh, for strong bone. But it also plays an important role, again, in any connective tissue, including veins and arteries. Yeah. So here's another one where you are incredibly low. And the other thing about manganese is its role in 
um, the utilization of or the metabolism of fat, proteins, and carbohydrates, including cholesterol. Yeah. Okay. So um, if you've got incredibly low manganese, then you are not going to be processing fats, carbohydrates, and proteins well. Yeah. Now, there is another mineral that you are also very low in, and that is chromium. Now, so, do I have we, to go and suck on um, toe bars or something like that? Uh, <laughs> well, I don't recommend it. Um, <laughs> what I recommend is bioavailable chromium. And what you do is you eat food where the chromium has been made or put into a form that your body can properly utilize. Okay. Yeah. So chromium as a metal is incredibly toxic. So mm. don't go and suck on a tow bar. Okay? So so we've got these yeah. deficiencies um, yeah. being shown here. Yeah. Uh, is this catastrophic or can it be reversed? Well, of course it's reversible. Right. Well, this is exactly what I wanted you to say, of course. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Yeah. So, so we've got to uh, look at getting these things into my diet uh, yes. through bioavailable methods. Yes. Um, but also, is it possible that there's something that is causing these things to be retained yes. inside the body? And are not showing in in the hair tests that are coming out in in the you know in those tests. Is it possible that there's an, an organ that might be sucking all these nutrients up and not releasing them? Well, um, first of all, um, minerals like chromium, magnesium, calcium, manganese, selenium. If you're under a lot of stress, yeah, whether that's physical, psychological. Um, from uh, infections, injuries, over-exercising, um, relationship breakups, mm -hmm. all of these things, they all have the same draining effect on your reserves. Right. Okay. So uh, as you go through this, you'll see a lot of these nutrients are used for energy production, for producing hormones, for producing uh, structures like tendons, ligaments, and yeah. muscle, and bone, and brain, and so on. Um, but also neurotransmitters and hormones, okay? Yeah. Um, when you have heightened uh, metabolism, like say somebody's going through an enormous amount of stress, these nutrients are mobilized from tissue stores, which might be, um, uh, there may be storages in the kidneys, um, the liver, um, in your bones, and so on. They're brought into circulation so that they can be used for producing these stress hormones or neurotransmitters or for tissue repair and so on. And ultimately, um, some is lost through the bile, through circulation, through the hair, skin and nails from shedding tissue and so on. And the other thing is often when people are under enormous stress, they eat crap food. Okay. Because it's easy, it's available. They just yeah, they, shovel they, it in their face as quick as yes. they can. Yeah. Yeah. The the perfect stress food is um, a burger and chips, um, or potato chips, or a block of chocolate. Okay. Mm. And these are, are, are energy dense but nutrient poor. So when people are stressed and exhausted, they tend, or even just think of the marathon runner. Hey, they'll have the pasta party. Um, they eat gels and uh, energy drinks and so on and so on. 
and these provide um, sugar hits and uh, so on. Just remember that pasta. Once you, once it hits your saliva, it's converted from starch into glucose. Yeah. And by the way, excess sugar, um, if it's not burned immediately by the body, stored as it, fat. Yes, so and if, if uh, glycogen levels are full, if the liver's full, then it gets turned into fat, and you end up with things like fatty liver disease. By the so, way, I've yeah, seen yeah. fatty liver disease in children as young as 10. Yeah. Okay? It used to be an old man's or old woman's disease. Now we're seeing it in adolescent children, and it's the junk food, the carbohydrate-soaked diet. Yeah. Now, when, when we got these tests... You, yes. We had a little chat, uh, you know, I think it was for about half an hour or so, maybe maybe even been an hour. The thing that you said to me that we should do immediately mm -hmm. was to start uh, making this citrus peel drink yes. that you yeah, recommend. Let's get on to that. So as I said, I found it very tasty, very refreshing, and not at all unpleasant. And I'm not somebody who has normally eaten fruit and vegetables and things like that. I've sort of like, you know, that's what, cows eat and I eat cows but I found this absolutely delightful to drink in fact I, I you know yeah. I'm I'm making up at least three or four jugs a week of yeah. this right so um why did you recommend that I do do that okay. and and all of the things you could and again just for listeners if you do a Google search for Gary Moller citrus peel drink it'll be the top thing. On, on your Google search, go there, and it gives you the ingredients and all the instructions. Yes, and I've just updated that this morning. Mm. So, um, well, first of all, prior to COVID, the lockdown, the prior to the first lockdown, I attended two medical nutrition conferences, and at each one, there was uh, there were papers presented on citrus peel. Yeah, not sit, not uh, not. Uh, not lemon juice, but citrus peel. Mm. Okay. And it was mind-blowing. Um, a doctor presented, for example, a case of a complete cure of terminal cancer from eating lemons. Mm. Okay. And there were also other discussions about the role of uh, of it, not just as a um, for the prevention and treatment of cancer, but also for cardiovascular disease. Yeah. Now, I came out of, the, in particular, I came out of the last one. It was a couple of days before the first lockdown. And I thought to myself, this should be the headline news. We should mm. be urging all of New Zealand to go and raid their neighbor's lemon tree and have lemon, lemon citrus peel in their diets okay but there was none and what i realized cam is the reason why there is so much research into citrus peel is because the rush is on to identify and synthesize the active ingredients to come out with the next billion dollar cancer therapy drug or heart drug or whatever okay or, or you can just go pinch lemons off the neighbor's tree yeah. and have this yes. lemon drink and not have to pay big pharma for anything so so during the lockdown when i started to realize that there's some real dodgy stuff going on i wrote my first citrus recipe i thought well why should i play this silly game i'm just going to put it out there for the public now 
for listeners, I want you to do your research. I want you to go into Dr. Google, go into Google, just Google citrus peel and type in your favorite disease. I want you to type in cancer. I want you to type in cardiovascular disease. Type in cardiomyopathy. Type in arteriosclerosis. Um, type in dementia, Alzheimer's. Okay, you can do, just do it. And I want you to scroll through there and what it will do is it will blow you away. It'll be wow, wow, wow. Mm. This is amazing. Now, why doesn't your doctor prescribe any of this? You will notice as you do your research that much of this is what your doctor should be reading and is presumably reading, okay? But your doctor will not prescribe it. Your doctor will only prescribe what is on the pharmac list of approved medicines, okay? They're not so, allowed to prescribe anything else, are they? Well, um, the doc that one of the great disasters of the last three years, the COVID era, mm. is that now I used to be the practitioner support for um, interclinical laboratories. So um, I worked for um, a good 10 years um, supporting doctors, nutritionists, naturopaths, and so on. Um, in the use and interpretation of hair tissue mineral analysis. I, I covered the whole country. I knew all the doctors that were practicing true integrative medicine. Now, many of them, if not most of them, have uh, have been fired, silenced, thrown out of the um, thrown out of the profession. Many of them have gone into retirement, handed back their practicing certificates and so on. Um, uh, we've been decimated. We've lost most of those doctors. Okay, and if you want to, if you don't believe me, just go to NZDSOS. Okay, doctors speaking out with science, and yep. you will see some of the braver doctors that are not taking this outrage lying down. Now, um, getting back to the citrus, you will see that citrus peel is incredible. Um, citrus peel, if you've got parasites in your gut, I'll tell you what, Cam, you're going to have the cleanest gut in the Well, let me tell top. you something, right? And, and this is a little <laughs> yes, bit squeamish, but when I, when I had, after I drank like the, almost like the first glass even yeah. of this, you know, I have a big glass and scull it down. Yeah. Uh, I've got to say that uh, it cleaned me right out. Right, not in an unpleasant way, but in what I would describe as the heaviest, <laughs> the, the heaviest movements I've ever I've ever had, <laughs> right? And uh, and and since then, uh, I've had no stomach trouble, no crook guts. Uh, I, I, you know, and I eat a whole lot of different stuff, all the dodgy kebabs and things like that occasionally. Um, but I haven't had any crook guts or any health, uh, gut issues since I've been starting to to, to drink this drink. I, I'm a keen gardener and I like making compost. Mm. One of the problems is that I don't have worms in my compost. And the yep. reason why is because I'm putting citrus in. And worms do not like citrus. And if you just think about it, 
in the world of nature, um, uh, bitter is an antiparasitic. If you look at the most potent antiparasitics, a good rule of thumb is that if it's bitter. So think of Swedish bitters, okay, that, that concoction uh, for gut upsets mm. and so on. Um, if an animal has got a gut infection, they will go and uh, eat bitter plants. Okay, so that's yep. a good, if you think of like Artemisia, which is a herbal um, uh, antiparasitic, which is effective against COVID, by the way, it is very bitter. Okay. So, so you asked me to drink this drink and yeah. uh, keep drinking it. Yes. And you did that because you wanted to straighten out my liver, didn't you? Well, not just that, um, to clean your arteries, um, mm. to keep your brain working so that um, you are coherent when you are hosting your radio programs and so yeah. on. The benefits go way beyond just keeping your liver nice and clean. Yeah, um, But it's certainly, um, there were other ingredients like milk thistle and dandelion, and these do augment liver detoxification. And this is especially important for Cameron because he's on several medications which are toxic to the liver and kidneys. Mm. And so we want to support liver and kidney function. Now, shall we just get to um, potassium? Yes. Oh, um, now, I should also just point out, I was going to say a little bit about chromium. Mm. One of the things that you can see, a common factor with a lot of these minerals in your hair tissue tests that are too low, they are integral to fat, glucose, and protein metabolism. Yep. So if you're wondering, if you've got an unhealthy cholesterol profile, maybe it's got something to do with this. You haven't got enough of these base nutrients that act as catalysts and so yeah. on um, to allow your body to properly use the nutrients, um, cholesterol and so on, uh, that you're getting through your diet and which your liver makes 70% of anyway. Mm. Okay. So um, I think we should love your liver, support it. Now, right. Good. One of the things as well about atavastatin and these other drugs, even the antidepressant you're on, mm -hmm. um, these are toxic to the kidneys. Right. Your kidneys are very delicate uh, organs. Yeah. They are very easily damaged. Readers or listeners could get onto YouTube and just... Um, Watch some videos about kidney function, okay? It's so this drink is going to help clear those up too. So it's going to clear, yes. help clear out and, the liver, and, help clear out the kidneys. Yes. Kidney yeah. function, the filtration in that is a delicate interplay between the shifting of sodium and potassium ions across the membranes. Yeah. Now, if the uh, kidneys are being clogged up by toxins, okay, metabolic byproducts from uh, these drugs you're taking, then, uh, and by the way, uh, statins can have a direct effect on the kidneys, on kidney function. You may end up with a, an inability of your kidneys to maintain the potassium-sodium balance. 
And you will notice that diuretics work by manipulating potassium and sodium. Yeah. Okay. So there's a connection there. Now, um, we can't be sure of the exact mechanism, but hey, if we can't figure out why on earth has Cameron got these um, very strange blood records of uh, or blood levels of potassium, and he's going to keep taking this potassium supplement, um, then why don't we focus on the obvious, even if we don't fully understand it? Now, the question is, Cam, what would happen to your potassium levels as you titrate down these medications? I'm going to expect, hey, your body's just going to sort it out and it will normalize over time. And it may already have normalized. It appears that you you have had an improvement, haven't you, with your potassium levels on what they have been in the past. Would that be yeah, correct? Yeah, so I, I got a, a, a blood test on the 9th of January. It's a usual scheduled blood test. Mm. Uh, and my potassium was at 3.6, and the normal range is 3.5 to 5.2. Now, for the last five years, my potassium has never been in the normal range. Now, it's at the low end of the normal range, but the only thing that's changed between the test that I had in uh, in October and the cha- and, and the test in, in January is that I've been taking your drink. And... Some of those ingredients, in fact, all of those ingredients should be supportive of liver and kidney function. Yeah. Okay, so we, we won't take credit, but... Um, well, it's a start. I think it's, um, it's an interesting thing to speculate on. And by the way, hey, what's the downside of doing these things? Well, you know, yeah. that's the thing. I mean, there's there's a, a little bit of a time um, issue in making up this drink. Um, you know, it's terrible. It takes about five minutes to make it. Yeah. You know, that, and most of that's slicing the lemon up and biffing yeah. the um, tea bags into the into the mix. And so, you know, if you if you don't make this drink up because you think oh it takes too long, well then you're just lazy. You know, yes. and and um, the benefits of it, uh, you know, I've experienced a, a huge change. Now, there's another ingredient in that mm. that might be particularly interesting to to blokes, is mm. that uh, you've got this new cell um, in there, a liquid, which is essentially fulvic acid. Now, what does that do? Uh, well, it it has a number of um, a, a wide range of benefits, and um, Again, we could do a whole session on fulvic acid. Um, Just just a quick overview on that. Yes. Uh, It improves digestion. It nourishes a healthy gut bacteria. It helps the uptake, the transport of nutrients across the cell membrane. So when you take, and and it's rich in minerals and, and various other ingredients, but I think the most exciting thing about fulvic acid itself is that it facilitates the sucking or the transport of nutrients across the cell wall into the cell, but also the shifting of metabolic waste products out of the cell. Yeah. So you have all these wonderful nutrients that you're now adding to your diet. What we have to do is we need to get uh, transport those nutrients across the various cell um, 
compartments, or the sorry, body compartments, eventually to the cell wall, and then through the cell wall, and even a step further into the mitochondria. Mm. Okay, and fulvic acid facilitates that. So you could say that for the nutrients you're taking, fulvic acid gives you more bang for your bucks. And for blokes, there's yep. a number of studies out there that shows that it boosts testosterone. Well, yes, it, it well it boosts. I, I would tell you it boosts everything. Yeah, it's wonderful, and it is argued that the purest fulvic acid comes from the deep south of New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, the fulvic acid that is on my website, you need to go to precisionhealthtesting.com, yep. is, um, and you just type in uh, fulvic, and yep. you will find it. And that is um, a New Zealand-produced uh, product, the purest, richest fulvic acid you'll get anywhere. Yeah, and I just put a splash into the yeah, mixture. You, right? yeah, I just so, sort of like randomly splash a, a decent helping of it and it doesn't taste um uh bad it doesn't taint the drink or anything oh it's lovely it's delicious i love it uh, and in fact um i had some fulvic acid in my uh my lemon drink this morning yeah it's refreshing it's energizing so and, so what um, we've seen from my test is that i'm low on a whole lot of things yes that possibly my liver and kidneys, uh, because of the medications I'm on, may not be working particularly well. And so that's why we started the, the citrus peel drink yeah. to now, clean that up. Uh, there is one other thing which I need to discuss yep. relevant, uh, which is on this uh, hair tissue test. Mm. Oh, well, there's two things. First of all, what we can say is that it appears that you have no toxins, okay, like lead, mercury, cadmium. There's okay. tiny little bits, but, you know, hey, that's normal. So let's uh, put that aside. We don't have to worry about that um, at all. However, you will see one thing that is sticking up that um, we need to talk about, and that is phosphorus. Oh, phosphorus. Oh, aluminium. Yep. Yeah, don't worry about the aluminium. We'll do a repeat test, and if the aluminium goes up, then we'll talk about it. If it okay. goes down, we won't talk about it. So we've got but the phosphorus that's a, a, phosphorus. a skyscraper. Yes, and it is too high. Yeah. Um, you can say, yeah, but it's only a little bit above the reference or the ideal, but the trouble is, Cam. It's affecting it's the selenium, its, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's sticking its head up above the general lie of the land. So, so you've got really low... Um, uh, the potassium is a bit on the low side as well. Yeah, I think we've got that under control. So low iron, copper, manganese, zinc, chromium, very low selenium, which is another issue. Mm -hmm. um, but don't worry, we're dealing with that. But the phosphorus then goes bump up very high. Now, what's going on there? I will bring up. Uh, we'll again uh, go to our mineral information. Um, Listeners, we're just looking at a chart, and we're going to go to phosphorus. Now, phosphorus is the energy carrier within the cells, okay? Think of the phosphorus match. Phosphorus is high energy. It, it, is, the, it is the atom which is used by your mitochondria, which are the, they're in every single cell, and they are the power generators. They're like the little... Um, the little hydroelectric power stations, okay, yep. which are gen generating energy. 
And the energy is in the form of what is called adenosine triphosphate, okay, ATP for short. And they, t they your mitochondria take a molecule called adenosine diphosphate, and it adds a few electrons and creates a high-energy molecule called adenosine triphosphate. That then migrates around, and wherever a an electron or two is required for energy production, it will donate that, and it will degrade back down to adenosine diphosphate, and then it goes back to the mitochondria to be regenerated again to be uh, a high-energy uh, molecule, okay? So, so how do we get that down? Well, uh, let's just talk about statins. Statins destroy mitochondria, okay? And Those... and and doctors prescribe statins. Yes, and you are on a statin, mm. okay? Now, what statins do is they destroy your hydroelectric power stations, <laughs> okay? Yeah. And the pattern for it, if we see that in action, we see phosphorus being high, okay? That is not a good sign. It says to me, Cam Slater is bleeding phosphorus. The energy, the energy systems is being dismantled. Yeah. Okay? It's a Russian missile attack on your energy system. <laughs> okay? Mm. Yeah. Got the idea? Now, yep, yep. so when we're looking at it um, and we go down and we look at the roles and functions of phosphorus, really important. You can see it's so much to do with energy production. Phosphorus is important for bone, okay, calcium phosphate, monobasic, diabasic, and tribasic for bone and teeth and so on. But it's it's so crucial for the production of ATP, adenosine triphosphate, mm -hmm. okay? And when it is elevated on a hair tissue test, it is frequently indicative of excessive protein breakdown of body tissues. Okay? Yeah. In your case, it is not due to toxic metals like lead or cadmium or arsenic because your body is clean with that. So what else could it be? The most common that I've found is statin use. Yeah. Now, look up conditions like, um, just type into Google, statins and uh, muscle breakdown. Statins, rhabdomyolysis, okay? Mm -hmm. And you will be shocked. You will understand that statins destroy muscle tissue. And muscle tissue, of course, is extremely rich in mitochondria. Okay? So there's um, uh, a little bit of information for you, and we can see it on this. So our goal is to bring the phosphorus down in line with these other minerals and then march them like soldiers on parade up to the line. Yeah. Okay? Now, you've been in the Army, haven't you? I have. Good. I was as well. And um, when you've got a ragtag bunch of soldiers, the the sergeant has a hissy fit. Okay, <laughs> if yep. if if Gary Moller's got his foot over the line, okay, he will swear black and blue. Now, what do you do? You don't all put your foot on the line. What you have to do is you have to fall back. He'll yell, "Fall back!" 
and you fall back about a meter, you put hands on shoulders, and then you shuffle everybody yep. forward. Yeah. What we've got to do is we've got to get that phosphorus and magnesium and a couple of other things. We've got to get them to fall back, and then we march them forward. Yeah. And that's what we are setting out to do. Okay. And so, by the way, I think you're doing it. We now yeah. need to do a repeat test in, say, two months from now. Yep. So we do a repeat test in two months now. But what are the, what next steps? Are you would you oh. suggest? Would you suggest I start doing your super yes. smoothie and adding yes. some things into that? How much time have we got, Cam? Hey, eh? uh, we've got a few minutes more. It's it's been okay. very interesting. Oh. It always is interesting with you, Gary. But um, yeah, we've covered the test and the yes. test results. We've covered what causes that. We've covered how we can cleanse the liver yeah. and the kidneys. So I guess a, a brief touch on the next steps, okay. and then what we'll do in a couple of months' time is we'll have another update for everybody, and we'll yes. say that this is what Cam's been doing. He's, he's added in uh, the super smoothie with these extra ingredients. Okay. So uh, I think Let's if we do just... this very quickly. Yeah. Um, so, Cam, I want listeners to um, basically go into my website, go into the blog, and you will see very close to the top, the super smoothie recipe. Yeah. Right. Um, what I'm trying to do, what I'm, what I'm seeing as my role is to take all of this knowledge and package it up in a way that people can basically put it into use in their daily lives in a practical and affordable way. Yep. And and I, want, I don't want people to be um, basically reliant on extremely overpriced and harmful pharmaceuticals yeah. to stay alive, okay? Because so, you're, you're, so you're recommending yeah. foods and food, food groups food and and supplements yes. uh, that are highly bioavailable. Yes. For thousands of years, we've been told, let food be thy medicine, body yeah. heal thyself. Now, the super smoothie recipe, you will see a number of ingredients. Now, I'm not recommending that you have all of the ingredients, but I have listed just about all of the important ones. Now, just about all of them are found in whey protein and foods like meat and eggs and yep. dairy. However, in some cases, we want to fortify it so that we give you a really Extra good... boost. Oh, yeah, especially if there are health issues. Yeah. Now... Let's think about depression, okay? You are on an antidepressant. Yeah, okay? and it's one of the hardest to come off that one, by well, the way. I've had two goes at it, and it's uh, quite difficult. The trouble with, um, uh, and we haven't got time to go into it, no. but um, but it can, uh, with an SSRI, if you've been on it for any period of time, the symptoms of withdrawal can persist for as long as a year or even more. Mm. Right, I think we can uh, we can alleviate we can expedite that, but now I want listeners to go into Google again and type NAC or N-acetylcysteine, but just type NAC. Yep. NAC and the words keywords like depression. Yeah. NAC depression. NAC anxiety. Yeah. NAC suicide ideation. That's a really good one. Okay. So think of all of those teenagers that want to kill themselves. Yeah. Okay. Are self-harming and so on. Now, what you will see is um, like, for example, psychiatric times, 
the one, the magazines your psychiatrist is reading. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it will, you will see a headline NAC, the novel nutrient that turns psychiatry on its head, or something like that. You'll see that headline. I wouldn't. Yeah, here, here, here's a headline yeah, NAC as a novel, rapidly acting anti suicidal agent. Yes. So if somebody is. Uh, has got it in their heads, obsessive thoughts. I want to kill myself, or they've got, you know, uh, you know how you can get something in your head and you just can't yeah, you fixate just, on it and, it, oh, yeah. and it's fixating and it's negative and it's horrible. Okay. NAC within about an, if you give somebody a good dose of NAC, then within about an hour and a half, there is a clinically significant reduction in those uh, suicidal thoughts or negative thoughts or self-harming yep. thoughts, okay? It's mind-blowing. Again, as you go through that, you will go, wow, this is amazing. Why didn't my doctor tell me? Mm. Okay, now, I want you to then go and type NAC and COVID survival. Yeah. And what you will find is that um, NAC reduces covid deaths by up to 80% which is which is what which is why NAC was attacked by big pharma during the covid and yes it is immensely more effective than the vaccine yeah now if you then google vaccines a bit of a bit of a misnomer really yeah. Oh, well, but anyway, we won't get into that. Yeah. So you, yep. so you've got yeah. this super smoothie thing, yes. and one of the ingredients there is NAC amongst a whole lot of others. So you're yeah. saying you can pick and choose some of these. Some will be more important for you depending on on what you need. But yes. NAC, you should include that, and in, and in, in it's a powder. You can you've got it, haven't you? As a powdered form, yes. which makes it more uh, readily. Uh, you know, it's not a tablet or anything. You just mix it in with the with the yeah. whey powder and everything powders, else. Powders, are, as a rule of thumb, are always cheaper mm. than uh, the tableting. So that's yeah. that's the first thing. Um, and uh, and look, um, you can do the same search. I want you to do the same search for taurine. Mm. Okay. And by the way, you can with NAC. You can also type NAC FDA ban. And you'll see that the FDA is doing everything they can to ban it. And New Zealand has tried through the Therapeutic Products Act, mm. okay, which we must not allow to re-emerge. No. Now, um, but you can type taurine, and you can even type in taurine and heart failure. Okay, mm. do that. Have a look. Now you will see. Wow, this is incredible. Okay, now if you combine all of that with having your citrus peel drink, you are really covering, and, and you can type in taurine, Alzheimer's, taurine's nerve regeneration for peripheral neuropathy and so on. Look, um, there's so much there. Um, where I can help is with um, whittling down what are the key ingredients, the most important ingredients for you. But the problem I've got is, especially with COVID, mm or should I say COVID prevention programs, yeah. is that we are so busy, we can't cope with the workloads. Mm. The number of sick people out there has exploded, okay? But that is all the more reason why we've got to get this message out that um, the solution is by investing in the basics of health, which is what this whole discussion has been yeah, about. Exactly. Yeah. 
these it's things, a journey isn't it that, that, yeah. that i'm on under your yep. guidance and and yeah. to well, eat better to put better things into my body and get better health results which will then reduce my need to rely on big farmers uh well, well, I won't call them solutions because they're not. Well, they're really band-aids. Uh, Kim, let's be clear. You suffered a catastrophe. Yeah, I did. And and that is when uh, modern medicine is at its best, okay? They yep. saved your life. Yep. Right. However, uh, where modern medicine is a complete and utter failure is when it comes to the prevention and um, yeah. the the, the long-term um, restoration of health. Okay? Yeah, and, that, and so, that's my focus is I want yeah. to I want to repair yeah. the damage and I want to mitigate this ever happening again. And the way yeah. to do that is to get everything in balance, which is why we're doing all of this. I absolutely do not want listeners to think that this is anti-medicine. No. This is the best time in the history of humanity to be alive because if you get it run over by a bus, if you ha have a out-of-control infection or if you suffer a massive heart attack or stroke, this is the best time. Yeah, but and, 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 and in my personal situation here, Gary, Right, I needed some of these drugs absolutely to to keep me alive. But I'm out now at the point where I've you know I've got through the dangerous period exactly, and so and so now I can concentrate to slowly but surely be able to augment my system, my body in such a way that I may be able to reduce or remove entirely the necessity for those drugs because they're no longer going to keep me alive. It's actually my change in lifestyle that's keeping me alive. Exactly. It is um, the where to now and yeah. for the next 55, 60 years of your life. So, so you're going to send me a, a recipe of, yep. of the things that I need to get, you know, to go in with this whey protein. Yes. And then in a couple of months' time, we'll touch base again after we've done another uh, another test, and then it'll be interesting to see what happens from that. You're going to be so incredibly healthy. Good, that's what I want. And uh, you know, th this is the thing that I've I've learned with my stroke journey is that you know what listeners need to understand is if you have a stroke, there's no government support mm. at all. There's no ACC. Unless it happened on a on a, a surgery table or as a result directly res, as a result of an accident, right? You get nothing from mm. the state. And to be frank, you know, uh, if you're relying on the state for your health, then that's not a good plan. So you have to rely on yourself, and you have to be self motivated to learn the things that I'm learning and sharing with you all. And the things that Gary knows and he's sharing, and that's why we're doing this show, because it's not just politics. Because if I don't do these things, I'm not going to be around to commentate on politics in 20 years' time or 30 years' time. Uh, I'll have expired in an untimely way, and, and I know that my mere existence annoys some people, and I want to keep on annoying them for a good long time. I think that's a really good note to finish on. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, we've we've talked to talk, but... The, the thing is, Gary, it's, it's hugely fascinating and learning all of this stuff uh, makes you feel better. It uh, certainly increases your brain power, uh, your ability to think about complex things and all of those sorts of things. And, uh, you know, it's 
it, it's something that we will continue throughout the year to share with our listeners so that they can learn for themselves and, and start to take an interest in looking after yourself because if nobody else has your best interests at heart, only you do. And, uh, and that's why I'm sharing this so that people can learn so they don't end up like me, so they don't have a catastrophic failure in their brain or their heart or whatever. Well said. Because it, okay. it's not pleasant. Right, and let me tell you, a stroke doesn't hurt, right? It didn't hurt at all, mm. right? What hurt was the frustration uh, of of essentially instantly becoming a cripple and being told by the medical professionals you'll never do something again. Right? Now, that, that's a red rag to a bull for me because I say never say never, right? And, and, and it motivated me to prove them wrong. And I've proved them wrong, and I'm continuing to prove them wrong, but I'm doing it in a studied, considerate uh, way in conjunction with, you know, I still talk to my GP about this. They know things that I don't know. Um, I know things that they don't know. So between the two or three of us that are working on this with you, Gary, and my GP, we're going to solve this riddle. We're going to fix the potassium problem. I know we are uh, eventually. And uh, and my health's going to be better. And you're going to be listening to me on Reality Check Radio for another 30 years. (laughs) (laughs) so yeah um thanks for your time gary it's been a a great update to share those uh results and those tests Mm -hmm. with listeners and uh you know you and i'll um touch base regularly offline about blood pressure and and you're going to give me a recipe for a protein shake that matches what what my goals are um and what what i want to achieve uh and then We'll see what it's like in a couple of months' time um, after I've done all of that. I mean, I'm, I'm I may be bouncing around the room talking to you, but uh, yeah, that's what that's what we'll do, and uh, we'll touch base. So I thank you for your time today and uh, dealing with these complex issues in a simple and easy to understand manner. You're a champion. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Well, as always, Gary has had a lot to say, but he always provides fascinating insights into health. And I've seen a huge improvement in my health since following his advice. I recommend seriously that you embark on your own health discovery and find out what works for you. No one cares more about your health than you. Tell me your thoughts on what Gary had to say by emailing inbox at realitycheck.radio or text to 2057. This is The Crunch with Cam Slater. Conversations with a side of controversy, right here on RCR. You've heard the words open, fair, both sides of the story. It's easy to say them, but practicing them often seems like a bridge too far. New Zealand, it's time for... A reality check. Reality check. RCR. Reality check radio. Rational discussion. Common sense. And open debate. For real. 
with me, Paul Brennan. You know, you just can't make this stuff up. You couldn't write the script. Veteran broadcaster Peter Williams. Where is the evidence they actually make a difference? It turns out that was a very fair question to ask. Taking on the mainstream, Chantel Baker. Mainstream media, as usual, in their little perch. The man who cares so much and whose background is for real, Rodney Hyde. The doctors don't believe them. They can't get ACC. They can't work. They're told it's all in their head. Along with a raft of contributors to inform, entertain, and bring the truth back to New Zealand media. It's time for a reality check, all right. RCR, Reality Check Radio at www.realitycheck.radio. We've arrived. Now it's time for Cam's Buddies. This week, we'll find out what they think about Grant Robertson bailing out from Parliament, and it seems he's found another trough to snuffle at. Vice-Chancellor at the University of Otago. Like Jacinda Ardern, he's bailed out after wrecking the joint. My producer has them all lined up and ready to go. Let's see what Cam's buddies think about Grant Robertson. Welcome to Cam's buddies, Lindley. Good to have you back. Hi, Cam. Are you well? Oh, yes. Box of birds. I've just finished an interview with Gary Moller talking about my health. So, um, you know. Um, oh, well, you'll be right. That's right. Gary. Gary's looking after that very well. And, um, you know, we had a good old chat. Everybody's going to enjoy listening to that. Mm, well, are you getting all your minerals tested? Yes, yes, I've done a test, and that's what we discussed. We had uh, we had uh, all the results of that, and there's there's some let's say deficiencies in, uh, in. But Gary's on top of that, and we're working on supplements and um, proteins and all sorts of things. But anyway, we're we're here to talk about Grant Robertson tonight and how he's gone from one. Mm. Uh, amply provided trough that has seen him expand himself uh, quite substantially and cruised off into another trough at uh, the University of Otago. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's funny you have said that because, well, first and foremost, he could not be my worst subject um, and all will be revealed shortly. But my friend, the first thing she said was he's just exchanging one trough for another. Dead right, snuffling so at the trough, like a little grunter pig. Snuffling, yes. And um, as you know, I've said to you before that I have done caricatures in the past. Well, the sight of him, you know, it's almost irresistible for the pencil, isn't it? Well, I think you'd better send one to me, Lindley. I, 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 we'll, we'll, publi- <laughs> we'll publish it on on, uh, on the RCR website and uh, and get people to see that uh, caricature. I'm sure. I'm sure Marie Buskey would wouldn't mind to see a caricature of uh, of Grant Robertson. But what is it with these oh, politicians? Right. What is it with politicians? They never, you know, like Ardern, right, they caused untold misery, harmed the economy, destroyed New Zealand society, and then they swan off to multi-million dollar or at least hundreds of thousands of dollars um, salaried jobs that have been arranged for them. They never get to suffer any consequences. And we've got Grant Robertson no, doing the same. It, I know, and uh, my word for that is, the untouchables, they're absolutely untouchable. They can wreak havoc on everything and anything, trample all over the people with no remorse whatsoever, and they just go on to greater things. 
Uh, it's it's incredible, isn't it? I mean, you know, Trevor Mallard ended up as an ambassador to Ireland. Now we've got um, yeah, or uh, Jacinda Ardern, who's got this, you know, f- swanky jobs, uh, you know, and a, and a big knighthood. Um, now we've got Grant Robertson um, doing this job, and it, it's amazing. I mean, he, he would have to be the worst finance minister in living <laughs> history, and he's going to be in charge oh, no. of, of a university that is already uh, substantially in debt. Uh, it's incredible, really. Well, it's the bull, bull in the china shop. And, uh, of course, that's my question, you know. So is he the right person for the job, we have to ask, don't we? And the Vice-Chancellor, Professor Helen Nicholson, in outlining the perilous financial state of the university last May, she said, quote, It's panic stations. I forecast that hundreds of staff will be leaving in the next 18 months. Yeah, well, that's and the thing, I'm absolutely... I mean, Otago University is $203 million in debt, and now they think the guy who took government debt from $5 billion to $93 billion with nothing to show for it's their man. It's, it's incredible. Yes, it is incredible. Um, but he's really proud of, uh, proud of what he's done, and he's really proud of one achievement which which absolutely fascinates me. He's really proud that he is the first, now, what is it, the first open gay deputy prime minister. What did he do? I couldn't give two hoots about his sexual orientation or, or whatever he gets up to behind closed doors. I want to know if a person's got the merit for the job. Well, he doesn't, clearly. <laughs> I mean, he's now got a job. He's now got a job where he'll be earning more than the Prime Minister, right? He's reached the pinnacle um, in his career, and so therefore he can only go downhill after he wrecks another institution. Yes, Uh, but I suppose it's a good thing because he might um, wreck it fairly fast. It does look like it's dying a a long death, doesn't it? He he might wreck it really fast. It'll be like um, humane euthanasia for pets, you know? Mm. I mean, the thing is, is, is he's likely to make them even more woke than they are, and we all know what happens when you go woke, you get broke. <laughs> go woke, go broke. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I just think it's absolutely, it's beyond belief. Yeah, I and, suppose uh, they've got one part he, right, though, in, in the, his job title. It's the vice part, isn't it? Oh, well, that's true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's true. Because, look, he's got no remorse. He's got no remorse for inflation being at a 32-year high when he left. He's got no remorse for a soaring cost-of-living crisis. And um, there were, at times, up to 600,000 people a month who relied on food charity. He's got no remorse for that. And he doesn't look like he's Mr. Meal. No. Does he? he? He's a salad dodger. He certainly is. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, you know, the Chris, other thing... Chris Hipkins is very skinny, and he's very skinny because Grant Robertson got all the sausage rolls. Oh, is that what happened? <laughs> well, you'd have, to, terrible, you'd, have to, you'd have to say that was the case, wouldn't you, <laughs> given the state of Grant Robertson? I mean, we, we, we're we not allowed to talk about fat ladies, right? But um, we can talk about well, fat I men. Well, I do. 
My mother always used to. My mother always used to tell me off when I wrote something about it. It's not over till the fat lady sings, and she'd say, "That's sexist." So um, I used to change (laughs) it and say, "Say it's all it's all not all over until the fat man sings." No, well, you see, I'm the opposite of that scale. Um, I'm tall and lean, and um, all my life, um, even now, when people should know better, I get skinny shamed. Oh, do you? And um, I've been, yes, I've been called all sorts of things because they think they've got free license to do it. They think it's all right to tell people how skinny they are. I've been uh, told, you know, if I stood sideways on, I wouldn't cast a shadow and, and I'd make a good pull through for a gun and um, <laughs> do I eat anything? And At least you know what a pull through things. is, though. At least you know what a pull through well, is. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's well, a Well, I thought it was Daniel Boone's. Hello? Yeah, no, I think I think that's right. I mean, you know what a pull through is, so that's good. Yeah, well, you know, I read Daniel Boone books, you know. Oh, I, I know about those guns. <laughs> you sound like a stand-up lady, Lindley. You really are. Uh, <laughs> well, a, a all woman it did was make, make me stronger. <laughs> oh, anyway, um, while I was waiting for you to come on the call, I've just written a very short little letter to Grant Robinson. Oh, good. Are you going to read it out? Would, could I read that out? Absolutely. Go um, for it. it. It's a little bit shocking, so brace yourself. So I've said here, um, he said, quote, I don't regret saving lives and livelihoods during COVID, and I'm most proud of that. And I'm saying, well, Grant, if you're listening, you might like to know that due to your mob's policy of postponing surgery to support empty beds in hospitals, my spouse is now lying in the Belkin Cemetery. Mm. That's his current address. A simple gallbladder operation left months too late and he died in hospital six days afterwards. Like you, Grant, he gave everything he had, but there was no way back for him, unlike you. And no, he never got a cent from you for it, but you remain proud. Mm. And I I think that sums them up. That's very brave. It's very brave. They're so distanced from reality, you know, that he could stand up there and say he saved lives and he's proud of it. I know. I know. It's appalling and it's very brave of you to read that out, Lindley. And, uh, you know, I I feel your pain. Well, you know, it just has to be addressed because there are thousands of people the same. There are people who missed cancer treatments, who couldn't get scans and all sorts of things. And they're not here now either. No, it's you awful. Know? And there's there's people now that are suffering the consequences of their awful mandates as well. And nobody's prepared to address it, you know. And we all know people like your husband or friends or family that have have got appalling health outcomes, including death. And these politicians yes. sit there and say how proud they are. You know, it, they're, exactly. they're actually criminals. I, you know, I've, I've read um, Jacinda Ardern's um, <clears throat> talk about Grant Robinson that she's put on, I think it's on Facebook or something, one of those things, but she's, you know, so sickly going on about how 
marvellous they all are and everything. I mean, they are totally removed from reality. And he says that his his toughest time was during the um, protest. Well, it wasn't tough for him. You know, he, he had all the comfort of um, either home or, or parliament buildings and he could sit up there and look down on those people. That wasn't yeah. tough. He had all those strapping policemen in, in their in their uniforms that he could watch all day long. Hmm. He would and, have enjoyed um, that. You know, I, I just find them, I don't know what the other buddies will think, but I just find this absolutely beyond belief. Um, well, I mean, but, your, your views were rather personal and very strong and... You know, the listeners out there could hear that emotion. They could hear the emotion in my voice. Um, you know, I'm touched that you read that out. Well, I think it has to be said. I've been waiting for a long time to be able to say that. Well, I'm very happy to have given you that opportunity, Lindley. Good. All right. I'd better let you go so you can... Well, um, gather yourself together, and I need to do the same before the next uh, call. That was very emotional. <laughs> but, oh, well, uh, it's real. It's reality. It's reality. We're on Reality Check Radio. This is something that's real. Yeah, that's that's perfect, mm. and and that's what we're here for, mm. and, and it's important that these politicians know this, and I'm going to get the producer to um, trim out your little letter, and um, I'm going to get it sent to Grant Robertson. And uh, we'll see. Oh, thank you so and, much. Yeah, we'll make sure he can hear it. Um, he needs to hear it. And um, I'll even try thank and you. get a little shareable of that um, so we can put that on Facebook and Twitter and things like that because I think it, these politicians need to know what, what the effects of their decisions were and the very personal harms that were caused by their actions. They do. And thank, thank you for that. You're most welcome, Lindley. And uh, we'll talk again well, next week. Okay, thanks, Cam. Thanks. See bye. you later. Bye bye. Good afternoon, Paul. Welcome to Cam's Buddies. Good afternoon, Cam. How are you? Fantastic. So, how about that, Grant Robertson? Eh, he's uh, quit Parliament and uh, decided to go and get a job where he's paid more than the Prime Minister to run a university that is two hundred and three million dollars in debt. Well, he knows a little bit about debt, so maybe that's um, one of his. Um characteristics that they were the characteristics that they were looking for. But what I think is interesting is wasn't that one of the jobs that Chris Hipkins was saying um, a bit earlier was they were watching it because the pay was too high and it was way outside the scale. And I think if I remember rightly, they were over half a million dollars wages for such a position back in 2017. Yeah, it's $600,000. It's more than the Prime Minister. Yes, I mean, I mean, those jobs, if you can get them, are pretty good. And um, I know that those universities seem pretty woke, so that they um, they would like someone like the um, finance minister of Labour or the you know the finance um, spokesman for Labour, because Labour kind of leans down those ways. But um, it doesn't sound at all like jobs for the boys, so that's good. He's um. He's got some skills, as you say, on, on debt. Now, Otago University is kind of small beer for him, $203 million in debt. Um, 
Grant Robertson took government debt from five billion to ninety-three billion with nothing to show for it, and they've decided he's their man. So I guess we're going to see, um, you know, uh, Otago University's debt uh, try and get at least close to a billion dollars in short order. Well, I'm looking. I'm thinking, how many how many students? I think they um they have something like um twenty thousand students and over four hundred staff. Is it four thousand staff? I've got huge amounts of staff there, so um, I'm not at all surprised that they've got that sort of debt. Um, uh, these sort of things. I, I just look and uh, I shake my head really. And um, is that an appointment that was happening prior? to the new government, or did the new government sanction this? Well, uh, the university is responsible for their own hiring, but um, it's interesting you raise those numbers. I've just had a quick look of that. Uh, you'll, you'll find these uh, mildly amusing. Uh, academic staff at University of Otago, 1,744, and uh, there's 2,246 of them uh, as administrative staff uh, so they've got, you know, more administrative staff than they have academic staff. But you're right, it's about 4,000 staff and about 21,000 students. Yeah. Because um, I remember thinking those numbers way back were, were just at odds with things, you know. And um, I was thinking it was 4,000, but if I was saying it, I was thinking that's just ridiculous. It's one in five. So there's 35 students you've got a staff member. I'm thinking, no, it won't be that. I must have made a mistake by 10, so that's why I was thinking 400. But the 4,000 staff, I mean, it, it, there must be something there that you could cull to try and um, save a dollar if you're of a mind to. Um, but you could probably employ more staff as well if you wanted to see how much you can blow the debt out by. Well, I mean, that's ridiculous. You know, there, there will be um, courses at Otago University that are of no use to man or beast. And uh, they could probably save a lot of money by culling those. But, you know, I think this looks like a University of Otago is a make-work scheme for failed people in any other job, and they end up being teachers or supporting the teachers. Exactly. And um, I think it was, was Otago's specialty, was it the dentistry there? Was it um, medical people there? I think it might have been medical people that I think um, it's, I think come it's out both. of that Otago I think it's both. Yeah, I think it's both dentists and, uh, and medical school. Yeah, well, I'm not sure that they um, they get many graduates through because if you try and get a uh, appointment at the doctor these days, you, you can't get in in the next day or two. It's in the next week or two or three. And so that then um, whatever ailment you have has either healed itself or it's killing you. So um, I look and I think there's something amiss if, um, if there's one in four, so one admin for every four or five students and then when at the end of it, there's, there's no doctors that are around to help the general public anyway. It seems ludicrous. It seems a ludicrous amount of money. I'm just looking up the stats. Their budget uh, is $756 million per annum. $756 million. Right. It seems a lot of... That's well, you don't have to save much to actually um, get, get the thing back in the, in the right colour of the ledger, but... Um, it depends on whether they've got a um, a policy to to try and see how much they can spend and blow the budget out by, or have or have a deficit by, and um, does that money take into account the um, return on investment of an asset? In other words, the price of the land and buildings they've got there, someone has ownership of that, and that's worth a lot of money as well. Because I look at many of these places, and and I think 
that they don't live in the land of reality financially, even in their financials, because they um, they've got a whole lot of free stuff like the land, the buildings, whatever, and then they put a number in for them and put it in on one hand and take it out on the other. So it's really not the number. So often these things, when I look at the finances of any of the educational facilities that I've looked at in the past, it's quite hard to read the numbers because they. Um, well, they don't make they don't make they sense don't, from a business perspective, do they? At all? No, no, not at all. And also, one of the things that um, any um, government funding like that would be likely to be in the university, and I'm not talking about the extra students' fees, but if the government is funding any of this, they want the money to be spent on the students in the year that it was given. Yeah. So that they like to know that if they gave a, a million dollars, that a million dollars was spent on the those students that it was lined up for. So you can't make a profit. But a 200 million deficit, not too many of us want those in our business, having said that um, with a $750,000 income, that's not inconsequential either. And um, who knows? I wouldn't have thought Grant's the man for the job, to be fair. I think you could find better people out of PwC or any of these other um, reasonably sized accounting firms that would bite your arm off to get a position that pays in the order of north of half a million. Yeah, I I think... Um, Grant will sit there and go, oh, $203 million debt. Let me add it. We'll see how big that we can get that number. Hmm. All right, Paul. That's nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's nothing. I'll show you debt. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't <laughs> oh, it? They, they never suffer any consequences. Anyway, Paul, I better go, go to Jack. He's waiting on the line. So I will uh, say goodbye to you for next until next week, and uh, we'll speak again. Thank you. Bye for now. Hello, Jack. Welcome to Cam's Buddies. Thank you, Cam. Hello. So, Grant Robertson, eh? I'm sorry He's about a... last week. This week yeah, I'll that... improve. That's all right. You're an elderly man. You've got to have your rest every now and then. Don't let it happen hey, again, enough though. Enough of the old. <laughs> <laughs> It'll never happen again. So uh, Grant Robertson, he's gone from one trough to the next. He's now scored himself a job that pays higher than the Prime Minister. And uh, he's gone to a university that's $203 million in debt, or that he probably thinks that's chump change, really. And uh, Otago University thinks he's the man for the job. What do you think? I think he is the man for the job. I think he was the man for the job in the last Labour government. Unfortunately, he was surrounded by idiots. Um, just to name a few, Phil Twyford, Anaya Hooter, Carmel Cipollone, Willie Jackson, do I need to go on? Well, I reckon he was it, fantastic. He steered a great ship. And you know what was best about him? He was always positive. Unlike our current two, that are totally negative, which is yeah. really, really getting the country down. The Prime well, Minister, for example, has just come out with the most negative load of bull ever, and the whole country's going, oh, oh, we're doomed. Well, it was like that in New Zealand, of course. Yeah, the the thing is with um with Grant Robertson is that he could act with glee when you're pushing the um the the cash printers out the window and spraying vast swathes of cash into the economy, causing massive inflation. And of course, you can be gleeful when you're doing that. Well, you may say that, but uh, he navigated us through a very tough time, and. Um, say what you like. The Otago University people are not stupid. 
I mean, I believe that he had to be a doctor to be in that position. He's not a doctor, but um, he met the requirements. They know that he's, he's a brilliant guy. Oh, well, we'll have to beg to differ on that, but I guess that's why we have Cam's buddies, so people can ring in and um, say cockamamie things, and the listeners will then write in and say, what sort of drugs is Jack taking? But um, that's fine. That's lots all good. Yeah, lots of them. You can cut me off now if you like. <laughs> <laughs> why would I do that? I enjoy talking to you, Jack. Um, yeah, no, I've yeah. got a lot of time for him. Well, Grant Robertson said that he's especially proud of the work that he did during COVID, and he found that the um, time of the protest at Wellington was his most challenging time. Now, you've sort of covered off his COVID work, but what about that comment about the Wellington protest? Well, forget all that. Imagine sort of being the Minister of Finance, um, surrounded by a bunch of idiots in your own party, and then the Greens to top it off. I mean, to come through and try and appease everybody slightly and keep the the ship running steadily, that's no mean feat. I reckon he did a great job, personally. You, you may recall last year you said, who would I have mm. in a forthcoming election or parliament? Yeah. And I think at that time I said, well, Look at Nicola Willis. What the hell does she know? And she's proven to be. Oh, I agree with you on that. Yeah, she knows nothing. Yeah, totally yeah. agree with you on that. But I, I would have thought Michael Cullen was a better finance minister than Grant Robertson all day long. Wait, well, oh, okay. Yeah, he was good too. Very good. But you see, I'm a Rob Muldoon fan. Yeah, that goes against the grain, doesn't it? And he oh. and Grant Robertson was compared with him today on the news. Well, the the thing with Rob Muldoon is he actually built he actually built things that we're using today to, you know, the funny thing is, is that the very people who opposed Rob Muldoon, you know, the values type people, the greenie type people, the left wing, they opposed all of the things like um, Think Big, and it's all of those projects that are powering their um, smugmobiles, their little electric cars exactly. that they drive where around, be, and are all funded by now? the power from those Think Big projects. As I said to you before, when I was an engineer on the Manapuri Power Project, it broke my heart when they didn't complete it. Yeah. Um, the biggest project of this type in the world, cut short by greenies voting against it at the last moment. Anyway, pro- that's probably, story. Some wa- probably some rare water snail that needed to be moved to a different lake. People that have been to Australia lots of times would have never once ever been to Manapuri. It's a beautiful place. <laughs> I spent a couple of years there. Oh, you know all about the mosquitoes then? Antlers, yep. I, I grew to love them. That was the only way you could cook. Well, they're big enough to eat, aren't they? They're just like small chickens, really. <laughs> yeah, but there was one exposed part of your body. You were covered head to foot, you thought, but then there'd be this black fur sitting somewhere. You're like, oh, another unexposed part. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so you, you're a big fan of Grant Robertson. You think he deserves that job? Um that's that's yep. your opinion. And I, oh, do you think that the chancellors and others in Otago University are stupid? Yeah, I do actually. But then I, I have a, I have an extreme disdain for for academics in general. Um, so you know, maybe it's pathological with me. I just don't like them, and anything they do, I don't like either. Yeah, well, I'm. <laughs> Having said what I said, I'm uh, going to be a hypocrite and kind of agree with you. 
All right, Jack, on that note, uh, we'll say goodbye for tonight and we'll talk again next week. Cheers. Thank you. Welcome to Cam's Buddies, Jimmy. Good to have you back on the show. G'day, Cam. How are you this week? Perfect. We're good? Yeah, always good. Good. So how about Robbo, eh? What Grant Robertson's got himself a cushy new job. What do you think about that? I think it's a trougher going from one big trough to another big trough, mate. It's like and pigs squealing in delight. Can... You can imagine it, can't you? Squeal <laughs> like a little pig. He's gone to a sick, allegedly $630,000 salary. It's more than the Prime Minister. For someone, who's, as someone, as, for someone who's failed and been voted out, to be awarded that job as a non-professor is just such a trough. It just looks like Ardern, isn't it? Bolting after wrecking the joint, going to a cushy number uh, with no consequences for your actions at at all, not even a second of not earning any money. No, and they've both gone to woke universities. It's just terrible. They don't have any scruples, these people. Well, what about the, the, the situation of Otago University there? Two hundred and three million plus in debt, and uh, they've decided that the guy who increased our debt in New Zealand from five billion to ninety three billion is the is the man for them. Well, that's what I was going to say. I think that that's going to be his undoing because he will have to make cuts there. You can't. The university isn't the New Zealand Treasury, and it doesn't have the funding and just can't borrow. You will have to make some cuts. There's no. Yeah. He doesn't have the government printing presses anymore to um, vomit out vast swathes of cash. He he doesn't have the taxpayers in New Zealand backing his big decisions, and so he will have to make cuts. They will have to chop. And how's he going to do that? He doesn't know how to do that. So two or three years, the uni will be going to the government for a bailout, you think? I don't think it'll take that long. (laughs) Well... Yeah, it, it's just – and also, he was given the job without being a professor. So, you it's know – It's astonishing, they've, isn't it? They've shortcutted it for him. It has to you have know? been a, 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 a cushy shoulder tap deal, isn't it? You know, did, were they advertising? I mean, was he the best candidate? What, who were the other candidates? Why won't they tell us that? You know, if they said there was a field of 57 – uh, eminently qualified people, but weren't you know we like Robbo, so we're choosing him. It, that's what it looks like to me. Well, that's what it is, isn't it? There's just no doubt about it. I mean, it's just all too, you know, he, by not standing in a central Wellington seat, we knew he was going to chuck it, and he would have known about this and been waiting for a long time for this just to pop up. That's what these list troffers do, isn't it? Hey, it just proves that they're all troffers. They honestly are. Now, this week with Lux and cutting on uh, welfare has been good. Good to see the squealing out there. Lots of squealing. squealing. Um, The news media will go and find some some little activists, people who will be a little bit sad that they might have to go and get a job. But how can they morally say that they should just be allowed to sit there and get paid by other taxpayers and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it? How do they explain that away, Cam? Um, it's called sanctimony. You know, I just, I've been seeing the outcries against Luxon and saying that he just doesn't know and disconnected from the reality, but it's like some people have been on the job seeker for 13 years well, they're and they're not able rich. to work and they just don't maybe, want to. Maybe they think it's like hide and seek. 
and they're taking the hide part literally and not doing the seeking part. <laughs> oh, I don't know, but it's, it's thank, thank God the adults are back in charge. So yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's my thoughts on on um, old Grant, mate. Well, if, uh, if, if Hipkins goes, Labor's got no. Um, what experience have they got in there? Their their talent pool is as shallow as a birdbath in summer. I know Willie Jackson would be the most experienced, just about, wouldn't he? Oh, oh I hope he gets. <laughs> wouldn't that be awesome if he was the leader? <laughs> Hey? That would be amazing. Eh? That would be make my day. I would, it would make my day. He, he probably wouldn't like, like to what? um wouldn't like me to share my text messages with him. It might become embarrassing. <laughs> oh well, he's got a like. I don't like his politics, but he's got a certain um, appeal to him. He's a bloody funny bugger, eh? I like when his. I like his radio. front. Yeah, I, I you know. He's he's unashamed about what he's about, um, and I kind of like that, you know, in politicians that they're comfortable in their own skin. He gives as good as he gets. He tends not to get too precious yeah, yeah. about things. And he gives people a fair go. He just just he just wants his own trough. But when he had his radio show, and you used to appear on his radio show, remember? I did. He he was he was he, he was bloody funny. He'd give callers heaps of fun. Give them, give them heaps of stuff, eh? I always thought he did Even a reasonable tough. job, and he always gave me a fair, a fair suck of the save, so to speak. And um, I enjoyed <laughs> yeah, you going. Used to say, oh, Cam- Cameron's okay. He's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I like Willie. He gave me a go. I'm prepared to give him a go. Um, but, you know, it's politics, so you've got to take the rough with the tumble. And, um, yeah, he's not too bad. Uh, I actually quite like Willie. Um, I think he's racist, but yeah. um, I'm entitled to say that, um, you know. So, uh, yeah, I hope he does um, step up. I mean, there's nobody else in Labor that's any good. I mean, they're all just a bunch of well, hopeless. They... What's your thoughts on McAnulty? I think he's dodgier than a two-bob watch. <laughs> he's a self-declared socialist. Yeah. But he's Maybe a Chardonnay socialist leader. What? He'd be a Chardonnay socialist for, for sure. But they all are. Yeah. The, um, yeah, well, he's touted as the next leader. So uh, once Hipkin goes, which is, you know, actually coming around, then yeah. how does Labour rebuild from this? You know, well, every political we, we need party has to do this. National had to go through it. You know, there'll, there'll be a few coups, there'll be a few spills, there'll be, you know, a few people who make stuff ups. It's all entertaining and it just makes great radio for me. So, you know, I don't actually want them to get themselves sorted out. I want to see carnage and, uh, you know, I want to see politics as a blood sport and I want to see lots of blood. Yeah, well, you're, you're dead right, but I always believe that governments always need opposition and a yep. decent opposition. You know, yep. not, that's, that's the whole point of it. And Hopkins is useless at opposition. And, you know, we don't want Lux and too big, you know, we want him to keep thinking hard about his decisions. Yeah. So, anyway, Grant's gone, mate. That's another win. 
It is. It win. is another one. It'll be fantastic that he's gone. Hopefully he won't um, make any more pronouncements like Helen Clark does or Jacinda Ardern does. We, he just disappears. We never <laughs> hear from him again. And he just sits down Helen there and, and sits down there in Otago in Dunedin um, in the depths of winter uh, eating pies and sausage rolls. <laughs> okay, Cam. Thanks, mate. All right, mate, thanks for your call, and we'll talk next week. Welcome to Cam's Buddies, Miles. Pleased to have you back on the show. Good afternoon, Cam. It's great to be back. How are we today? Yeah, good, mate. Good, mate. Everything's good. Every day above ground's a Excellent. good day. Excellent. Excellent. So, Grant Robertson left, has quit Parliament, and he's got himself a job that pays more and the Prime Minister. What are your thoughts on that? Are we referring to Grant Robinson in the role of Vice-Chancellor at Otago University by chance? We are. That's the, the very one. And is this trough so deep and wide that you could lose um, half of the uh, poor people of South Auckland in it? Probably. It's not quite as deep and as wide as the trough he's been supping from. Uh, certainly doesn't have the ability to line up uh, cash printing machines outside windows and spray vast uh, quantities of New Zealand dollars into the economy. <laughs> but this is what I can't work out, Miles, right? And, and I've put the same question to each of the buddies. I said, you know, um, Otago University is $203 million in debt. They have 4,000 staff for 21,000 students. And of those 4,000 staff, about a third of them are actually teaching and the rest are administration staff. And they have, a, they have an annual revenue of $750 million. So they've decided to pick the guy that took New Zealand's debt from $5 billion to $93 billion, and they're going to pay him more than the Prime Minister gets. Look, I think it's a fantastic idea. Look at it this way. The, the Vice-Chancellor, I, I have I have to um, be humble here, and I have submitted to the scourge of Google, and I have asked Google, what are the duties of a Vice-Chancellor? Mm. And it came up with leadership, management, and development of the university and realisation of its strategic plan. Now, I thought this was quite interesting, so I decided, what are the qualities of a good vice-chancellor? Because of the topic of conversation, I think all of us have strong opinions about uh, Grant Robertson, and I thought I would just tell you what Mr Google says. Well, apparently, the qualities of a good vice-chancellor are exceptional ability across a wide range of working situations, together with the requisite degree of authority, integrity, financial probity, commercial acumen, and intellect. And I thought, well, there's a big fat raspberry blowing there, isn't there? Sure is. He's got none of those skills at all. So I began to reflect on Otago University and its debt and its amount of staff, and I thought, 
maybe it's not a university. Maybe it's actually a Labour Party nursery. And maybe we are, through all our generous donations as taxpayers, are funding future Labour Party MPs and activists. And I thought to myself, hmm, maybe that's why Grant Robertson has gone down to Otago University. Maybe recruitment of Labour um, members in Otago has fallen off significantly and he needs to correct that. Maybe it is. But I certainly can't see him, well, I wish him all all the best, but really? I mean, it sounds to me like Otago University is in a precarious situation. And I'd just like to say the requisite degree of authority, integrity, financial probity and commercial acumen and intellect, well, I can tell you that if they're looking for that, I don't think that Grant Robinson would be the correct person for the job. Yeah, I mean, I Jack doesn't agree with you. He thinks he's wonderful, but, you know, um, Jack took the vaccine, so, you know, that well, kind of says everything. <laughs> but I'm sure he is wonderful, but uh, at what? Tell yeah, me at what he's wonderful. That's the thing, because, you know, uh, the way I'm looking at it from, I think he's the worst finance minister we've had in living memory, and that's taking that's really challenging uh, Sir Robert Muldoon for that title. Um, but I think Robertson easily beats him in that regard. One wonders about Otago University. One wonders whether it's a fixed-term contract with Robertson. I doubt it, but think of it this way. What sort of wreckage of Otago University as it is now, and uh, let's be honest, Otago University's financial status now is what I would describe as grim. I mean, it's hanging on by its teeth and we're seeing a whole lot of pro-vax nutters come out of um, Otago, not to mention the anti-smoking nutters that come out of Otago. All of these types of activism really I mean, Otago University is staggering, I think, and um, people are asking the question, why should I go to Otago? And I don't think Grant Robertson will have the answer to that question. No, I don't think he will at all. I don't think he's got any answers for anything other than I'm sure we could increase our borrowings. Look, there's no doubt that Otago has been a a stellar institution in the past, but... um, Sadly, I, I have to say that the respect I have for the university academic system these days is, is beyond low. I, I'm very, very disappointed with what the universities are getting up to, and I, I'm beginning to think that they have lost the plot and have become um, left-wing propaganda organs. I think that happened quite some time ago, Miles. <laughs> Maybe you're right. I'm I'm not known for keeping tabs on universities. But, you know, in my day, Otago University and um, going down to Otago was the making of many young people. And uh, certainly doctors from Otago University uh, were well respected and looked up to in any country in the world. 
and I could say that of a number of courses, but I'm beginning to seriously wonder about Otago University these days. And seriously, Grant Robertson, I believe, will not inspire confidence in the largely conservative catchment that Otago University services. And I would tend to agree with you on that. And um, I, you know, I think he's not qualified in, in even the remotest sense uh, for the job. Uh, it has to have been a jobs for the boys. Uh, and, and what it's who you know, not what you know. And um, but the, on the plus side, I guess we never have to see him bloviating in the parliament ever again. Thank goodness for that. Thank goodness for that. And on a on a personal note, uh, Dunedin is is quite a cold city in in the winter. And for me personally, I can't stand uh, 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 the winters in Dunedin. And um, I just wonder how long Grant Robertson will stand them. Or maybe he'll have um, six months off every year in, in, a, in a sunny climb. Well, I'm sure at 600 and something, $630,000 or whatever it is, he'll be spending a lot of time in uh, tropical... Good uh, Lord, climate. did you just say $630,000? Yeah, he gets paid more than the Prime Minister. 630 Yep. Good Lord. I think I'm going to have to have a glass of wine and a sit-down. I think you better. You may as well get, get crack into re- that now. I didn't realise it was so much. That's laughable. I'm sorry. That's laughable. Yep, $630,000. That's what the Vice-Chancellor of Otago University, University $203 million in debt, right? 4,000 staff for 21,000 students. That's what you get paid. <laughs> The poor schmucks. That's all I can say. Totally. Anyway, Miles, it's an that's your thoughts on Grant Robertson, and uh, hopefully we'll have a more convivial uh, topic to talk about next week. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much, Cam, and we'll see you next week. Okay. Thanks, Miles. Wow. Wasn't Lindley's letter to Grant Robertson moving? It certainly cracked me, and I might have even had a little tear coming out of my eyes. They're leaking for sure. I'm so blessed to have such a great bunch of mates, and Lindley is the new buddy, and it's amazing the things she comes up with. They're all so wise and speak common sense, except maybe Jack's been on the source. Not sure. I'll check. Tell us your thoughts on Cam's Buddies by emailing inbox at realitycheck.radio or text to 2057. Thanks for tuning in to RCR, Reality Check Radio. If you like what you're listening to, or even if you don't agree with what you're listening to, then get in touch with us now. You can text us with your message to 2057. That's 2057. Or if you'd rather email us, you can at inbox at realitycheck.radio. We would love to hear from you. So get in touch with us now. Time for the mailbag. And we've got a little bit in the mailbag this week. I'm surprised we didn't have more, to be fair, but hey, it is what it is. Uh, First up, some general feedback and some questions. Uh, Andrew writes, Hi Cam, is it true that Maori seats were initially brought in to encourage Maori participation in the election process? and they were intended to be a temporary measure. 
Andrew, you're 100% correct. They were originally brought in for that exact purpose, and it was only ever supposed to be temporary. And in fact, when we had the Royal Commission looking at the implementation of MMP and bringing that in, there was a recommendation of the Royal Commission that the Maori seats be abolished with the implementation of MMP. That didn't happen, and so we're stuck with them. Now, Chris writes in and says, Hi, Cam, love your show. Hope you can help me with some info. I'd like to know who was on the wedding invitation list for the ex-Prime Minister. Mike and I are very disappointed that we didn't get an invite. Clark took one for the team. Well, Chris, I have no idea who was on the wedding invitation list other than, you know, various different Labour Party hacks like Christopher Hipkins and Grant Robertson and various other associated people. Uh, I didn't get an invite. I don't know why. Uh, I would have thought, given how much I'd written about Jacinda Ardern, that she would have taken kindly and invited me. But um, yeah, I think you're right. Clark's taken one for the team. Now, regarding my Kirsten Murphitt interview, and these come in from Facebook. Love Kirsten Murphitt, legend from Constance. Nick says, go Kirsten, we're with you all the way. Uh, Natalie says, what a legend. And Fiona says, another great interview. And now for my interview with Morris Williamson, Mike says, I only have one comment for Morris. Why do you live in Auckland? Actually, you as well, Cam. Us non-Aucklanders will never get it. Kirsten has the right idea. Live away from Auckland. Have a life with our Auckland City Council. Think everyone in Auckland has been complaining about the council since the 70s. And we non-Aucklanders are getting sick of it. How about a new subject? We've done Auckland City Council enough on this show. Well, Mike, this is my show, and I live in Auckland. And there's, you know, half of the population in New Zealand lives north of Taupo. So we have to go where the population goes, and there's a lot of issues in Auckland. So we'll keep covering Auckland issues. But we won't shove it down everybody's throat every show. Anonymous comment here says, uh, how come Morris doesn't know about Agenda 2030 that's running as council. He must know the bicycle lanes across Auckland are for driving the country to rack and ruin. And another anonymous comment says, just listen to your chat with Morris Williamson. What a breath of fresh air. Hearing some sane descriptions of what's needed in transport, plus A plus for your interview style that lets the speaker clearly air their views. Well, thank you. And Jeremy writes, hi, really enjoyed this interview. Funny, informative, and gives me hope there are people in public life who have a grip on reality and who show a reluctance to spend other people's money on vanity and or projects with impossible goals. And some comments from Facebook on the same interview. Bruce writes, there aren't many bureaucracies where amalgamation has ever delivered savings in staff, resources or structural efficiencies. And Charmaine says, great interview. I like his common sense ideas. Houses in flood-prone areas built on stilts like overseas is sensible and doable in New Zealand. I hope the government is carefully reviewing the unused cycling areas, which are monopolising space the vehicles need instead. And Andrew writes, I remember Morris going on about the rationale of selling Auckland Airport based on its value, based on simple revenue, it was not making money, so should be sold. It's too basic. Te Papa should be sold on that reasoning. It loses heaps because it's free to the public. Real value is measured in social utility as well as monetary returns. Selling monopoly structures can lead to massive price gouging to the public, which should be factored in. And now some comments about my buddies. 
Hi, Cam and Lindley. Sounds like the self-checkout system is the failure. If there was no self-checkout, then these trolley loads of thieved goods wouldn't be able to be taken. That was from Wendy. Uh, anonymous comment here. I'm not buying the excuse of crime prevention re-supermarkets. Shutting the self-checkouts and replacing with staff checkouts would have a much bigger effect. Nudge principles in play here, I believe. And Beth says, love your buddies. What a hoot. Great job, Cam. And Ruth says, Cam, I wonder if anyone will walk into supermarkets backwards to avoid the facial recognition cameras. And Chris adds, I've listened to the replay on supermarket cameras. If supermarkets and the police can't or won't do anything to stop thieving, what the hell is a camera going to do? It's the same as a number of years ago when there was an increase in dog attacks in the country. The Muppets decided to microchip all dogs to stop them from chewing people. It was solely a money-making scheme. No one on your show has explained how cameras are going to stop the problem. Why aren't the police manning up and doing their job, or is it better to target motorists? Way easier. As you're aware, the police are as corrupt as our politicians. And Liz says, oh my gosh, Lindley, you knocked it out of the park. Loved your wit and humour. What a great find you are. And that's the mailbag for this week. This is The Crunch with Cam Slater. Conversations with a side of controversy right here on RCR. That's it for The Crunch this week. The topics we've explored so far are just the tip of the iceberg. This year is going to be massive politically. We've got the new government making inroads on delivering their promises, and the squealing is weapons grade. Plus, of course, there's the big game in world politics, the US elections in November. And despite the lawfare against him, Donald Trump is clearly winning the Republican nomination hands down. Poor old Joe Biden is looking increasingly feeble. He won't be able to hide in his basement this election like he did last. And I'm really enjoying my chats with Gary Moller. Such a depth of knowledge, and the bonus is that my health has never been better. I love sharing this journey with you, and I hope that it inspires you to look after yourself better as well. Now, if you're using the RCR app, it's very easy to get all the repays of The Crunch as well as listen live to all the other shows. And it wouldn't be a show if I didn't have an amazing team from my producer to the editors to help put all of this show together and make it all work. It's been a real pleasure having you all back again this week. I love your feedback, and I'm really enjoying to talking to so many different people, sharing their thoughts on politics, life, and yes, even health, and everything in between, of course. So a big shout out to all of you, and thank you for listening and having faith in me as we continue to explore this beautiful game of politics. Don't forget, email suggestions to inbox at realitycheck.radio for people for me to interview. And let's make this the show the best political show in New Zealand. Looking forward to having you join me again next week for The Crunch with Cam Slater. You've been listening to The Crunch with Cam Slater. Remember, you can check out the replays for today's show on our website at www.realitycheck.radio forward slash replays. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. for more with Cam Slater, right here on RCR.
Reality Check Radio. 